Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special emergency edition of Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by USCFootball.com. I'm your host, Keely Orr, joined by Ryan Abraham and Shotgun Spratling. We're coming to you after the news of Clay Helton is being retained. He's going to come back for 2020, be USC's head coach. Uh, Mike Bone tweeted out a statement uh, voicing his support for Clay Helton. Um, it's a little delayed. We'll talk about the timing. It was interesting. but So we have a, a very interesting show for you guys today. I know I always joke that it's free therapy, but I think that stands today more than ever. <laughs> wow. And an outlet for that therapy is our call line, 512-4-TUNNEL. You can call in. We already have callers before you are, we went live, so thank you for <laughs> your interest. Chris Trevino is standing by screening. Um, you can also, wherever you're watching this, whether it be uh, YouTube, Periscope, or Facebook, put your comments, questions, concerns. We will try to answer them as best as we can. We'll do our best. You can also tweet at us, hashtag TunnelVision, and we'll put your tweet up on the screen. Um, guys, like I said, Clay Helton is coming back in 2020. First off, let's get your overall thoughts, and then we can get into the details. Yeah, well, we need a couch in here for the therapy session. We let all of <laughs> the TunnelVision viewers come in here. And I do want to give a real quick shout-out before we get started. Uh, Bay Trojan 03 sent me a little thank you gift. He sent a Keurig uh Coffee maker no right to way. the office. Yeah. So we now have. <laughs> so Colin Coward, he, if you watched our Colin show, he was complaining that we didn't have coffee in here. Now we have coffee. So, oh. but we have a coffee maker. It's still in a box, but at some point it makes coffee. So thanks to that. Cool. Okay. Initial thoughts on Clay Helton. I, I think to, I'm going to give Shotgun credit because every time we've talked on the show. And me. Come on. Keely credit for what? Yeah, well, well, okay. So you, I think okay. Keely and I were both more about. Um, Obviously, you have to fire Clay Helton. Like, there's no. You're there, lumping me. Okay. Do, you don't. Were you like saying? That, I was on team. Let's wait until USC does what USC does because you can never predict USC. That true. was where I was. I was on my okay. island there. <laughs> I thought when we were talking, though, it was just more like, yeah. I mean, obviously, USC. Even USC can't screw this one up. Like, you have to no. <laughs> coming off five and seven. I think it was more Keely. Like she was. More, no, I'm just Fine. kidding. Um, Blame me. Sure. So. Most fans, I mean, we when you run a poll, you could run a poll like, do you love the American flag? And you'd get like 25% of people say no. We ran, do you want, you know, USC to retain Clay Helton? Or, should, you know, should he be fired or should he be retained? And 90, almost 96% on the peristyle said they want to get rid of Clay Helton. We've not seen this kind of, you know, nearly unanimous sentiment as far as almost any topic on uh, USC football. The fans were united on this one, and it's rare that that happens. So for the administration to come back and release the statement that Mike Bone, the new athletic director, did today, it was shocking to fans. We're seeing it all over Twitter, gifts galore. I mean, it's we've never seen the peristyle this busy. The message boards, it's absolutely insane. Fans are tweeting about they're going to cancel their season tickets. They're not going to donate anymore. I mean, every tweet, you know, uh, Carol Fult, the president, tweeted something today about a holiday party and it's just they get super ratioed on twitter everyone's you know there's just enormous backlash right now and we we you know, were kind of trying to post what we had known along the process and i think for the last you know few days it certainly seemed like hey this is the direction uh that usc is leaning colin coward came on the show and said hey uh everything i'm hearing is that they want to retain clay helton and People gave him a lot of crap, and you know Bruce Feldman reported that too. We started hearing the same thing. It was hard to believe, but like, and it's not like, hey, that's what we think should happen, but that's what we started hearing, and so you had to take that seriously. Even though a, an erroneous report came out and said he was fired, uh, obviously completely false. Um, yeah, that that's sort of where USC is right now, and I think a lot of the problem is you have Mike Bone, the athletic director, coming in um, to a really terrible situation. Should Clay Held have been extended? 
by Lin Swan, no. I mean, there's all these problems. You have the, you know, all the, the stuff in the athletic department, the scandals with the F- FBI and things like that. So Mike Bone comes in to a hornet's nest. And to me, there was only one choice you could make and get rid of Clay Helton and figure out what you got to do. He obviously came to a different conclusion. Now, I think there's probably a lot of weird factors going on here. To my guess, though, is Shotgun, they've underestimated how upset the fans are going to be. It's going to be a lost football season. You start off with Alabama. You are not winning that game. Uh, USC does not play well in Dallas. Um, this is this is not going to go well. Well, I, I tried to kind of bring everyone back from the ledge a little bit, thinking that they could just jump off and paraglide down um, without a parachute or any type of apparatus. Uh, but it, it seems that that's been the case. You know, I, I've said over and over, it just hasn't been the USC way, you know, to, to do things that everyone kind of expects of you to do. It was expected that this that would be the move. The move would be to move on to a new head coach, start fresh with a new AD. You know, he gets an opportunity to choose his own guy. It's not the case. Now, there are other factors involved in it. It's not just straight wins and losses. It's not just Clay Helton, you know, being a nice guy and, you know, Mike Bone liking him as a person. There's a ton of other factors that go into it. You know, there's money involved, obviously. There's a lot of other things. But, you know, I, I said that I would break it down if I was an AD, break it down as far as a financial risk assessment. I think they probably went through that. Now, Mike Bonus said that they did not consider any other candidates. I, I think that's just straight up a lie. I don't believe that at all. Um, you know, now, can he say anything else? No, no I don't, I don't think, not, yeah, it's a forced lie. Like, you yeah. can't, if you say, yeah, we interviewed some people and we didn't get who we wanted. When we already have a coach in place, not, yes. that there's not an opening. So right. I don't think that's I don't blame Mike Bone for not uh, yeah. for saying that. I don't okay. think that one's true. But, you know, I, I think maybe there was, you know, they went out and tried to get somebody and found out that their options weren't as wide as maybe they thought, you know, whether it was money, whether it was just getting someone to come into USC because of all the other stuff that's going on, it makes it a little bit less attractive of a position. You know, there's a lot of things that went into it. Unfortunately for the fans, they're the ones that are kind of being punished by this. You know, it's the same thing over when they wanted a change. Now, a lot of times fans always want change. Fans always want coaches fired. That's a consistent Almost all the right. time. There's rarely ever. Would you blame them this time? There's rarely ever that fans are like, someone gets fired and they're like, why? Why did you fire him? No, that you couldn't do that. Right. No, it's usually the other way around. Sometimes things get turned around. Sometimes they don't. This seems like it's more the same. Just because you look at Clay Helton's tenure, it's not just that this season's eight and four. You know, you can look at it in a, in a vacuum and say eight and four is not terrible. They definitely could have played better. There's certain things they still need to fix, but it's in a you know you look at the the big picture and it's the same issues that have been a problem for USC. You know the penalties, the turnovers, uh, you know injuries are are part of it, and injuries are something that have been a you know a consistent issue with this during this tenure. So there's a lot of things that are consistent in Clay Helton's tenure that you can't just go well if they fix this one thing because 
that's what he said he was going to fix this right. year. Penalties well, and turnovers. I was going to turn our attention to Lynn Swan's statement last okay. year. Okay. <laughs> Pull that up. Which uh, said, uh, Coach Helton and I meet extensively each week to evaluate our program from top to bottom. We acknowledge and understand our deficiencies in areas that include culture, discipline, schemes, personnel, and staff. We agree that changes need to be made, and they will. We will improve and get better in all areas. Coach Helton has a plan in place to get USC back to the top. Now let's go to Mike Bone's statement that he released today on Twitter. He says, I am pleased to let you know that Coach Helton will continue to be our head coach. His commitment to our student-athletes and to leading with integrity is vital to restoring our championship program, which is the goal for all our teams. Heading into 2020, Coach Helton and I will work together to take a hard look at all aspects of the football enterprise and will make the tough decisions necessary to compete at the championship level. So... It kind of sounds like wow. the same thing year after year. And and people were making this uh, uh, point in my mentions. Basically, if you have to make a statement like this every year after yeah. after that's not a good sign about your head coach in that sense. Yeah, but, I tweeted like, what's the statement going to be next year? You know, like, hey, we're really close to winning the Pac-12 South. Uh, we're going in the right direction. I don't know. I mean, I, it, you can't – the fans are – I think the fans have a right to be as upset as they are. They don't always. And I and I get on Twitter and people are like, you can't just listen to the fans. You know, my wife was a Tennessee grad and they, you know, completely revolted when, uh, you know, you're talking with the, you're trying to hire uh, Shiano down there and they got, you know, basically they didn't hire him because of that. Um, but I think in this case, it's I think this is warranted. I think the fans have a right here to be as upset as they are. I mean, this is it's not their fault that the USC hired these poor administrators over the last decade. And Pat Hayden and Lynn Swan, it's not Mike Bones' fault that they put him in this terrible situation. And, you know, not knowing all the decision factors behind Mike Bone deciding to keep Clay Helton, maybe there's just things that you couldn't overcome. But, man, whatever they are, they have to be pretty bad because you're not going to see people. We saw 53,000 or so show up for the USC-UCLA game. What is it going to be like next year? And it's not like you can get off to a quick start because you're going to Dallas and you're going to lose most likely to Alabama. You play Utah and Oregon, the two you know teams that are playing this Friday in the Pac-12 championship, next year on the road. We don't know where. You still got Notre Dame. You still got Washington that'll have Jimmy Lake. Uh, Washington switches coaches and USC does it. I mean, this is, this is all baffling. But I, to me... The fans, yes, sometimes they can be, you know, fans short for fanatic. I think they're right in this case. Like, they have the right to be upset. If they want to cancel their season tickets and all that stuff, you know, if you're if it's not bringing you joy anymore, and I see why it wouldn't, then you can go do something else. And I, I just can't blame them at all in this one. Now, if if Bone wanted to move on from Clay Helton, he's obviously not going to say that since they don't have someone lined up. But what if his plan ultimately in his mind is to keep Clay Helton for one year, have that time to get someone that he deems as a better head coach. In the long run, is this a DEFCON 1 situation if you get a better head coach next year rather than someone that you can just get out of the blue right now in this short time span? So my personal opinion, and Bruce, I think Feldman wrote about this last week about it would be easier to replace Clay Helton next year than this year. And I agree with that. And I know some people don't really, but I think if you had, you know, you had a month to prepare versus 13 months to prepare, you could make a much more informed decision. You could, you True. know, work all the channels. I feel like it would be easier, but I think you're underestimating what you're going to do to the program over these next 12 months because, and, and I got in arguments with uh, Dan Rubenstein today on Twitter and some other people. I mean, I really feel like you can lose fans for life. Now, you might be able to replace them with new ones. Yes, if they come back and they're winning a championship, you might get these people back, but, 
Um, and people are saying, well, if you beat Alabama, then they'll all come back. Like, yeah, well, and I, someone tweeted, if you win the, if your plan to like for retirement is, well, if I win the lottery, it'll be fine. Like, yes, like that's basically what you're looking at. Like if you get super lucky and you get a 2016 season and you win the Rose Bowl, yes, like things will be better. But I, you, you're not seeing it go in that direction. It's going the wrong direction. And despite having this huge talent advantage right now, USC isn't winning at that level. And now that talent advantage is going to start to go away and you're not going to even be able to rely on that. So I think this is a huge risk that whatever your risk reward scenarios for Mike Bone, we have to not know what some of the risks are because the risks that we know and versus the rewards, it doesn't work out. There's no way you can upset the entire fan base like this to bring back Clay Helton unless there's these other circumstances that we just don't know about. That, that would, there's you know a lot of reasons behind the scenes why you can't do it. But man, the, the reasons we know that you should do it, it's very compelling. And I'm just not sure how USC is going to recover from this. I mean, I, so many people have tweeted season tickets, you know, they're going to cancel their, you know, the suites in the dang uh, scholarship tower. I mean, big money people are not happy. Now, I'll play devil, devil's advocate. I'll go there. It can still work next season. You know, the, the teams that are in the Pac 12 South, Utah is going to lose a ton this offseason. True. So they're going to be down. Uh, you know, Colorado may be the, the best team that they'll have competition with. Arizona State, obviously, with Jaden Daniels playing better. Uh, but they're doing having a lot of turnover as well. If you replace and fix, but this is also the same message that I said last year yeah. of how it could work. If you get better at certain areas, you know, special teams, you know, they had three guys on the pro football focus, you know, specialist list on all Pac-12, but the teams weren't great. The special right. teams weren't great. Um, so you, you got to get better at special teams. You know, you need to, if you spend as much time as they have in the past on special teams, you need it to be a strength, not an okay, not even with other teams, which they've been below other teams yeah. a lot of times, but you need it to be a strength. You need it. You need to be blocking five, six, seven kicks in a season. You need to return multiple touchdowns. Those things need to happen. The defense has to get better. The defense needs to play better. You need to, whether whatever it takes, rotating more, whatever. It has to play better. And if the offense continues to progress, then yes, this team could be dangerous next year in the Pac-12. Will it be ready for Alabama? I would not. I don't trust any team going up against Nick Saban with Nick Saban having eight months to prepare. And he's upset. Mm-hmm. Will he be upset in nine months? I mean, he's, he's upset all the time. He's, yeah, he's upset like ten minutes after winning a national championship. The fact <laughs> this is they've never not they've never missed the playoffs. They're missing the playoffs. It's for the his first constant time. state, so I don't think it's yeah. like he's going to be so much more upset next year than this. No, I don't. I don't. I don't buy that. But you give him eight months to prepare, and he usually dominates teams. Yeah. That's that's just what he's really good at. You know, when having that that long stretch of time to to prepare for a team, he gets his teams ready better than anyone else in, in that type of situation. So I don't think that they're going to have success in that game. However, after that game, I think the schedule is open that they can they can yeah. win, and then. The question becomes, you know, if they do go 10-2 and two next season, you win the Pac-12 South, what are the chances? You you said that, uh, you know, Bruce Feldman thinks it's easier to fire him next year. If they play their potential, which is a big right. if, yeah. then it may be more difficult to fire him next year if that's what your ultimate goal is, it, like Keeley said, for Mike Bone. So, no, I don't think that's something he looked at and said, yeah, well, it, 
let's just wait a year and then I'll be able to, this will be easier for me. No, I don't think so because I think it can go the other way and you can be, you know, Clay Helton can be the guy for the next few years if they get things going in the right direction. Again, huge if, I know, right. and I'm probably getting lit up in the comments. I haven't got all the way down to the bottom yet, but <laughs> no. to, to play devil's advocate, USC could still be really good next year. Yep. You have a returning, you know, Keaton Slovis continue, gets nine more months to progress, and this is all – there's a big caveat on this that the offense stays the same. And Graham Harrell yeah, Graham. returns. Yeah, he might not. And, and real quick, I completely agree with Shotgun. And I, I give USC fans all the credit in the world for their outrage. I, I know they're going to hate this, but USC could still win a whole bunch of games because the Pac-12 is just not that good. So even though the coaching won't be that much better, even though Clay Helton's not a great head coach, they still have better players. If they play near their potential, they'll win more games than, you know, than they lose. And then you can say, hey, this is good. Are you setting the bar too low? Yes, way too low. But you might win the Pac-12 South or might win the Pac-12 next year. And then what do you do? So that's that's kind of why why are you in this situation again? You did this last year. He should have been let go. He wasn't. Now you go eight and four. You're kind of in this purgatory. Like, oh, that's not enough to, to get retained. What if you win the Pac-12 South next year and you're nine and three or something? Like, do you fire him at that point? Like, there. So, yeah, I think USC, the, all these bunglings of, of how this has been handled is just kind of putting USC fans in this really terrible position year after year. It's going to be the third year in a row like this. And, and that could have set that could have set up a new coach could have come in, you know, if they were to make, were to have made a move, a new coach would have came in and there could have been, you know, a really good setup for them just as far as the talent they have with uh, some of the teams that they're playing next year and maybe a little bit of decline in the, you know, Oregon not having Justin Herbert, you know, Tyler Huntley and that whole crew, that recruiting class I was going through looking at it the other day. They're 2016, I think it was. Just bonkers how many of those guys are going to be studs that are going to the next level. A lot after of three the stars probably too, yeah. They, you know, all the players that are on there, they had six guys on Pro Football Focus's first team defense. They had nine guys total on the three teams that they had on there, and only one of them was a four-star. Wow. Now, in his statement, Mike Bone said that they'll make the tough decisions necessary. That obviously alludes to coaching changes. Now, the early signing period is coming up in two weeks. The USC also has a bowl game. What do you expect for the timeline of, of changes to be made? And if there's an, if they're waiting until after the bowl game, that has to be an awkward process to, to go through those practices, and, and the media is going to get some, some questioning in. Yeah, you got two weeks to get ready for the early signing period. Now, we know, you know our buddy Gavin Morris, who was on this uh, program before, and I think they're working hard trying to flip some of these guys. And we told you that the recruiting class would get better once a decision was made, like it was just they're just being in limbo right now. Now they're not in limbo. Now you know it's Clay Helton. They're going to get some guys. It's still going to be the worst recruiting class ever, I think, from USC history. But they'll it'll get better than what it is now. It won't be 11th in the Pac-12. It won't be ranked in the 60s like it is now. But, yeah, what coaching changes are you going to make? You know, you could – you know, we saw Clay Helton do this before the Holiday Bowl uh, against Wisconsin after getting smacked around by Stanford in the Pac-12 championship game, got rid of some guys, you know, promoted some other people. We'll see if they have to do that. I mean, I think with all the outrage, Mike Bone's going to need some pounds of flesh that he can, you know, go, see, we made some changes. We fired some coaches and things like that. So maybe that happens. Um, it might not happen until after uh, the bowl game, but they, they have to do something. But the problem is you were supposed to do this last year and you didn't do enough. And we, like Keely mentioned, uh, you know, we reported today, and there's some different reports that Graham Harrell interviewed already for two head coaching jobs, UTSA and UNLV. Tom Herman at Texas is interested in bringing him in. He'd get like two million bucks, more than double his salary, what he's at at USC right now. So you lose Graham Harrell, that's like 
the best thing you have on your coaching staff. Um, so, yeah, I think there's some – you keep Clay Helton, there might be some real problems just kind of building the staff back out. And if you feel if everyone feels like, hey, this is a, a one-and-done kind of thing, Clay Helton's going to be gone after this year again, uh, I guess you could argue like, well, you thought that the last two years and he came back. Um, is it going to be easy or hard to get these kind of assistants? And will Clay Helton, Clay Helton go out and get assistants that are capable – of replacing him. He's had a reluctance to do that. He's only hired people that are more familiar in his kind of circle of friends or family. And uh, do you go out and get the best, you know, defensive coordinator out there and, and bring him in, but that's someone that could potentially take your job. He seemed to be reluctant to do that. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of questions, Keeley, we're going to have to find out in the next couple of weeks, but two weeks away from the early signing period where you yeah. sign the majority of your guys. Yeah. If you can, again, this goes back to making the announcement last week. Rather than waiting a oh, week yeah. and a half. Which goes back to, I know you already alluded to it, but like Mike Bone kind of has to lie because if you didn't <laughs> consider anyone else, then why did you take so long to announce it when your staff is on the road trying to recruit and trying to tell kids, hey, no, come. We yeah. have the support of the athletic director. You were looking to hire somebody else. Like that's, I mean, it's obvious. You're at least considering it. Yeah. yeah. Assessing Clay, your options. Clay Helton, ha you know, he knows that. It's, he, you know, Clay Helton's got to be in a weird spot too. Now, we, lo we all like Clay Helton as a person. He's going to get played plenty of money. Like he's not, you know, don't feel bad for clay. He's, you know, but you're, you're, you're in this spot where everyone's talking about your job just openly and your athletic director is not coming back and making a statement. Even, you know, it's been a long time since USC had his last game. And, uh, it's, it's kind of a, it's a weird spot. Clay Helton statement. I don't know if you have that one there, Keely. I mean, it was, uh, what was the, the, the line about um, so he says, I appreciate the, the future is bright? Yeah, yeah, he says, I appreciate the support from President Fult and Athletic Director Mike Bone. It's abu abundantly clear that we now have the support, resources, and tools to build a championship team. We know the expectations of our fans are high, as they should be. Those are the same expectations I have for myself and that our staff and team have as well. Our future is bright. We have a young team on the verge of doing something special. We have seen what this team can do having this season. We have had, despite going through adversity and injuries. We are headed to a great bowl, and we plan to finish the season strong. And we are putting the final touches on an outstanding recruiting class. I believe in our team and in our fan base. I know we will all come together to succeed. I'm excited about the future of our team and our university. So that was Clay Helton's statement after Mike Bone uh, made the announcement. And when we see this statement again in two weeks after the recruiting <laughs> classes, you know, that'll be a much more telling if this is an outstanding recruiting class. Because there's going to be have to be a lot of movement for it to be outstanding. Yeah. yeah. It can be an okay. Right now it's abysmal yeah for, for usc standards definitely the most interesting part to me in that statement is that it's clear that we have the resources so you know yeah. that's insinuating the resources weren't there before you know and we've heard that though yeah and that that tells me that maybe mike bonus come in and say hey you're gonna get this you know you're gonna get the uh, the blank check book you know to go out and get someone else if you want as an a uh, you know, as a coordinator somewhere else, you know, that might be for Graham Harrell. That might be for facility-wise, you know. So that's an interesting part of that statement. That's probably the thing that stood out to me the most because the rest of it's all kind of the platitudes that we've heard him say. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's a young team, injuries, you know, the, this young team's going to be really good. Come on. You know what You know what resources you have? They wear these helmets, and they're really good. The, the resources <laughs> you have wearing these helmets are better than the people you're playing wearing different helmets. Those are the resources you needed to maximize, and you have it. And that's why USC needed to move on from Clay Helton. It's, I can't believe we're going to do this for another year. 
It's crazy to me. And, and one of the things that uh, you know, we've got a lot of questions about if they were to make changes, who would they go get? Why would anyone come here? Type of questions. And that's the thing is, you look at Graham Harrell. He goes from offensive coordinator at North Texas. And he could have went back there again this year, and they could have had put up really big numbers again. Do you think he's interviewing for head coaching jobs at you know at UNLV and UTSA? No. Do you think he's interviewing at Texas for offense coordinator? Not necessarily. I think you show that you can go and be a big time, you know, a coordinator at a big time place. Then you know that leads. There's also the other potential I, I talked about in the last Tunnel Vision, where if you bring in someone, and, and I mentioned Jack Del Rio, just because he has you know former ties as a head coach, you bring him in, maybe he starts you know seeing that maybe there's there it becomes an issue and it becomes an interim position. He's the most likely guy. You know, if you just switched out him and Clancy Pendergast, who would you say is going to be the interim coach for some reason that Clay Helton was fired? You would definitely say it was Jack. Right, yeah. Whereas there was a lot of conversations this year. It's like, well, I don't know who it would be on this staff if they were to fire Clay Helton midseason. So maybe someone comes in and kind of tries to angle their way into a position as a head coach in that type. But also just if you're still looking at the defense, if you look at that defensive roster, that's why you come to USC. You go, I got Talano Hufunga. I got, you know, if I can talk Jay Tefele and Marlon Tuipolotu, and I got Drake Jackson up front, I got Pali and Itiote, I got Solomon Tuli Alapupu maybe coming back. You know, you look at that and you go, and all the cornerback, there's so much talent there. You look at it and you say, that's where I, that's the type of kids I want to go coach. You know, good players make you look good. Yeah. So if you're a defense coordinator, you know, that's what you would look at. Uh, so if that's one of the positions where they did, make a change, I think that there would be some interest to parties. Now, is the money behind it as well? Because there's always that factor, especially living in Los Angeles, there's a big factor of money versus money in Texas or money somewhere else. You know, if you're in Florida and you don't have to pay taxes on it, it's much different. So if USC is willing to pay the resources, which is why I found that so interesting in that statement, maybe they can go out and get a different tier of coordinator that they haven't been able to get recently. Yeah. Now I am being urged by Chris Trevino yeah, to let's get some take calls. some calls because we have, believe it or not, 50 callers on the line. What? I had to adjust our settings to make sure we could get everybody in Wait, there. Um, yeah, some people got turned away because we are busy, but we right now we have uh, 15 people waiting. <laughs> so okay. we've gotten 50 calls I don't think we want so that far. many, yeah. So uh, you, you sent the masses, Ryan, but uh, just a ground rule for all our callers. Uh, no personal attacks, no cussing. Keep it short. If you have a question, make sure you get that in soon. But let's go to our first caller on the line. Hello, you're live on Tunnel Vision. How we doing? Good. Man, I'll tell you, I, I called in very furious, ready to talk about the audacity of using words like integrity instead of discipline and accountability about using absurdities like now that we have the resources but you guys covered all my talking points and so uh yeah now i'm just gonna ask a simple question how much more foolish are we gonna look in two weeks if we do get beat in this bowl game like forget alabama we're probably gonna play a solid team here in two weeks do we have any faith that anything is gonna even happen that's, I mean, that's a really good point. If you remember, what was it, four years ago or what Wisconsin. it went? When, well, when Clay Helton was brought back, when uh, after USC beats UCLA, Pat Hayden makes the announcement, Clay Helton's the permanent head coach. You go out and lose to uh, Stanford. Stanford in the Pac-12 championship yeah. game, lose to Wisconsin, um, lose Florida. to Alabama, I think beat like Utah State or something like that, and then lost to uh, Stanford and Utah again. And, you know, went one and five after being named 
the permanent head coach. So that was a that was a rough stretch. I believe it was one five. That was, uh, that was a rough stretch. Um, you know, what what are the mentions going to be like for Mike Bone and and Carol Fult and Clay Helton if you go out and lose the bowl game to like Texas or Kansas State or maybe even Baylor? I guess you could play. I mean, yeah, I don't know because it looks like the Alamo. You know, with Utah being number five in the in the college football playoff, I think their chances of making the playoff if they win are better. I think both teams could possibly. You know, Utah and Oregon could make a New Year's Six Bowl, which would move. There's a lot of scenarios where USC moves up to the Alamo. Then you're going to play a pretty good uh, Big 12 team, I think. And, you know, certainly a good chance of losing that game. There might be guys in the transfer portal by then. You might be losing players. I mean, who knows? Like, there's a, yeah, that, that would be a bad first step after uh, yeah. saying he's coming back. I mean, a lot of the, the scenarios have USC potentially playing the Alamo Bowl against the loser of the, the Big 12 championship. So Baylor or, or Oklahoma. And then the other possibility being the Holiday Bowl, and almost all the one, the predictions I've seen that have them in the Holiday Bowl have them playing Michigan, who was playing very well. Yeah. You know, yeah. besides when they play Ohio State, uh, the second half of the season they, they looked like a different team, and they played pretty well in that Ohio State game for about a half uh, before things kind of unraveled for them there. But you know, I think those are those three teams; those are all really good opponents that you're yeah. going to be facing. I think much better than the Wisconsin team they saw in that Holiday Bowl previously, yeah. or the the bowl teams that they've seen the last couple of years. Uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be a real challenge for them, except for Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl. But I think it's going to be a real challenge for them to play. I think it's going to be similar to an Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl. Yeah. If you don't come to play, Oof. then you're going to get beat up. The yeah. physicality is just on a different level. Yeah, so I, I think that it, that's a great call. I think that we could see, you know, it could be embarrassing if they don't come to play. And that's something that you have to. If there is turnover, you know how quickly do they get guys ready? You know how how is the game plan prepared? If you fire someone, you know a coordinator or something, and who takes over? You know there's a lot of moving parts there that can become kind of complicated uh, going into a bowl game. So figuring all that stuff out, you know what would have been a better another week and a half. To, to give you a little sure. bit more time to figure yeah. those things out. Sure. I'm going to harp on this probably for the next eight oh, months. It was, it's a terrible decision not to have made that decision. Uh, if you're going to make what they did today, it should have been done a week and a half ago. This was bungled. There's no other way you can put that. Yeah. Now, when, in terms of USC fans, when does the anger turn into apathy? Because I feel like we're definitely teetering oh. towards apathy for sure. But right now we're in the full anger stage. It's full anger where I'm going to burn, you know, my season tickets and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, that's fine. You, you know, people are saying that. But it's really when they, you know, you got a lot of things you could do on a Saturday. It's like, I'm going to watch Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers play and not watch USC. It's like, you know what? I, I typically... Revolve my. I just heard people say this. Revolve my Saturdays around when USC football is. I'm going to get all that time back, and I don't have to do that anymore. And so, I, and that's why I think you're in danger of losing them. Now, if USC goes out and wins a championship in three years, you might get those people back, but you're going to be losing them for you know at least a while. Like this is not a championship team the way it's been built, and uh, that's a that's a problem, I think. And under Clay Helton, this team has not done the things you have to do to win championships. Which are those turnovers, the penalties, all yeah. the small details tackle you know, that like teams that. do really well that are college football playoff teams and then excel in the college football playoff because it's not just getting into the college football playoff, it's then winning two games. Yeah. And yeah. you saw what has happened when Notre Dame's got in. You know, Notre Dame's been a solid team under Brian Kelly. And people were questioning whether or not he should be, you know, moved right. out this season because he's not taking it to that next that next yeah. step. Uh, and those are the things that Clay Helton, under Clay Helton, USC has not done well. No, he hasn't created the right football culture there. And that's pretty, I mean, that's not changing. You know, you can hire some better assistants, whatever. Like, it's not a great football culture. And you just, you've seen that. 
Now, I'm going to dive back into questions, so Chris, don't kill me. But um, I was actually asked this on the radio this morning. Is it unrealistic for USC fans to still have their goal be a national championship? Yeah. No, it's not unrealistic. It's realistic. Like, USC has so many advantages. You have the talent here. Like, if if you hired Urban Meyer, you'd have won a championship in the next couple of years. I guarantee you. Like, they – you don't have the same kind of competition in the Pac-12. You can dominate the Pac-12. And you can get the best players because there's so many in Southern California and you can win, but you have to hire the right people. And USC just isn't doing that. It's that simple. And USC can't figure it out. Yeah. Chris is, 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 yeah, let's get the calls. He's swamped by the call. So let's jump back in. I believe we have Bobby from LA on the line. Hello. You're live on tunnel vision. Yeah, this is my eulogy. Uh, goodbye to the memory of my favorite Trojan of all time, Ricky Bell. Oh. I wanted to thank Dan and shotgun. Their responses and their feedback always made my day. Brian, I want to thank you for selecting a great team. Five reasons I will forever hate USC is Helton, Bone, Fultz, Swan, and Hayden. And the last point is is that obviously the the biggest lie was uh, Mike Bone saying he's going to listen and learn. Obviously, he hasn't learned from John Embry, and this will be the downfall. And Lastly, Jim Mora yelling playoffs. When people say there's talent for national championships under uh, Clay Helton, I'm reminded of Jim Mora screaming playoffs. It's Uh, it's remarkable, but but I'm done. Thanks, Bobby. Take care, guys. See, he, he does like to get a lot of points in, but he's learned to do it quickly, so See, it's good. I stuck up for him on the Parastyle podcast, yeah. and I got no love in that whole uh, eulogy. Oh, you did. So, so thanks, Bobby. I know. <laughs> I, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't give I you know. any, any Bobby, love. I'm not sticking. Bobby's up like, you I got seven quick points. You're like that's not. But he, you know, he did it. So, he did, he thanks, was, Bobby. Yeah, let's go to our next caller. I believe it's Sandy from Seal Beach. Hello, you're live on Tunnel Vision. Hey guys, thanks. I'll try to be quick, uh, like he was. Um, <laughs> You know, I was, uh, like many people, I'm sure, on hold and are listening. I've been coming for 20 years, donating money since 1996. You know, I got an extra $10,000 a year now. I was wondering, am I going to be able to walk away from this team that I love so much, you know? And Mike Bone today, he made it so easy to walk away. I mean, to recycle a letter that the last guy wrote, who supposedly wasn't qualified from the job, and to serve that up to me and to talk about like tough decisions, there was one tough decision and it would need to be made today or on Monday. And it was to fire Clay Helton. And it would have been tough because it's hard to fire your coach. Maybe if you don't even have a replacement two weeks before the early signing period, we would have taken some blows, but we're USC. That's what we do. We recover. We could have got Jack Del Rio all but volunteered. We could have made sure we held on to our coordinator, who God knows where he's at right now, what SEC school, what Big 12 school, UNLV, wherever. He's, he's making the rounds like any coordinator would. We're not going to be able to land any coordinator here because of who we have as the coach. You know, Clay Helton is never – you look at the guys that are winning national championships. Dabo Sweeney, Brent Venables, Nick Saban, Urban Meyer. Even you take Coach O, but you mix him with Dave Aranda and Steve Insmeyer. I mean, these, these names, these, these guys are behemoths. Clay Hilton's name is never going anywhere close to any of those names. And what I chalk it up to is you got Carol Folt. She's from UC Santa Barbara. You got Mike Bone, no ties to USC. They just don't care like we care, you know? And as much as that hurts me and pains me, it's like, I got to realize that, you know, as much as I want to see this team well, do well, as much as I want these kids to be well served by their coach, 
who all agreed to come to USC and should be already competing to be in the playoffs with the talent that we have, that we accumulated over the last three or four years. And instead, they're sitting there eight and four. This is not about wins and losses. To me, we are going to do great next year. We'll probably win eight or nine games, probably be in the Pac-12 championship game. But we'll still be with Clay Helton, and we'll still have no chance of competing on the national level. And that's the problem that I have and so many other Trojan fans have. And that's why we're slowly walking away, as, as you point out, Ryan. So I'm sorry if I went too long. I love what you guys do, and I uh, appreciate it. Hey, thanks for the call. Thank um, you. You were not shorter than Bobby. That was a lie. Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely not shorter. People don't realize how long they talk sometimes. It's like they just got to talk. Uh, I mean, you could feel the frustration in the fans. I wouldn't yeah. agree. I, mean, I don't think you need someone that's a USC person to care as much. That's how you got into this problem in the first place. You hired guys like Pat Hayden and Lynn Swan that had no experience, but they were USC people. And they created this huge mess. Um, now, Mike Bone and Carol Fold aren't doing a good job of getting out of this mess right now. Um, the, you know, the first moves, I've, I've not been impressed. Uh, I've really liked, you know, chatting with Mike Bone. I liked, you know, what you know, the professionalism he brought in. Um, unless there's something, you know, some circumstances that we don't know about, I think this is a huge judgment and error. I mean, error and judgment. And uh, so we'll see what, you know, what is, what's going to happen. But, I, you know, I think you're going to lose a lot of the fans like, you know, $10,000 a year he's talking about. And I think there's a lot of people that are going to be doing that. And if you talk about resources and budget concerns, the donations are not going to be going up because of this decision. Good point. Mm -hmm. Let's go to our next caller. I believe it is John from San Diego. If it will go. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello, hey John. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. How you doing? I just got, I just got three quick points. My first point is, okay, so we just chose Helton. Now we put ourselves in a tough spot because we need to make immediate changes to the staff, but we got a bowl game coming. So that's going to create some uneasiness for recruits, right? Because if I'm a recruit and I'm talking to Pendergast and then after the bowl game, they fire Pendergast, I might not even sign with USC. That's one. Second, there's a big issue with Graham Harrell that I think everyone's not focusing on. He, uh, Clay Helton rolled the dice on this air raid uh, offense Everyone's loving the stats, the slowest throwing for 500 and all these catches from the wide receiver U and all that stuff. If he leaves, are we going to go back to a pro set? Or are we going to try to find somebody who, who can uh, coordinate the air raid? The top three guys are Leach, Clinsbury, and, and Graham Harrell. So, I mean, you know, we're in a tough spot there. Do we keep the same offense? Then the third point is we might, even if we have a great season next year, we might find ourselves in the same position that Oregon is. Oregon uh, is when they played uh, when they scheduled Auburn and they lost. So if we play Alabama and we lose, then we have this great season. We still might get knocked out of the playoffs just because we lost to Alabama. The same situation that Oregon's in. So I don't know. That's it. That's all I have to say. Thanks for the the call there. Thanks, we John. want one point, not three points. If that's you know, unless you're going to be quick like Bobby. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean the, the the Alabama game, you're not going to be in a great position to to win that game. And if even if this was a team that could make a run, that's going to be what could prevent you from getting into the playoffs. Now USC can get there more on reputation. If they went 11 to one with the lost Alabama, I think they would have a shot at the playoff. But I mean that's that's pie in the sky kind of stuff. I think the Harrell thing is is real. Um, well, who are you going to get to replace Graham Harrell? Uh, if he ends up going somewhere, that was the one bright spot on your staff. Uh, I think you have to make a priority in uh, retaining him. I think that's important. I think it's going to be a priority to get get Graham Harrell back on staff as well or to continue him on staff. But uh, I, I think they'll stick with the air raid regardless. If, if Graham Harrell goes somewhere else, he gets a head coaching job and decides to take it, I think they still would try to stick with 
Now, you're looking for the best candidate, obviously, regardless of uh, style. But Grant, I mean, uh, Clay Helton said, you know, they really, their eyes were open when they started basically going to an air raid style in the Notre Dame game last year with JT Daniels and kind of throwing the shorter passes and moving the ball quickly. Uh, so I think that they would stick with that and they would just try to find the next best candidate if for some reason they do lose Graham Harrell. But I think it's a priority to get him back. It's also a priority to clean the other things up. And, you know, him talking about the signing day, and that's why I think, you know, maybe you throw the bowl game out to an extent in my mind. I think you go and try to fix your coordinator situation. You try to fix your staff and figure it out first and then go worry about recruiting, and then you'll go to the bowl game after. If you only have a week to prepare, you know, the signing day is the 18th to the 20th. The bowl games they're most likely to play in are the 27th and the 31st. So you still have a week. That's what you normally have when you're preparing, you know, for a, a regular season game. You won't have as long as your opponent has, but still you, you get, you know, new coordinators, new coaches, new position coaches, and you just have more of a vanilla scheme uh, than you would have, you know, regularly. You worry about the bowl game last. I think you've got to get coordinators in and worry about the future yeah. rather than the bowl game. I think he's got to make a complete assessment of the coaching staff. If you go like, hey, Chad K came in and the, the defensive line looks good, we want to make sure he stays around. Or you say, hey, Greg Burns did a great job with the young set. Whatever it is, you assess who your coaches are. These guys are doing good. These are not. And the ones that aren't, you got to get them out and, and do something else. So, yeah, I think you you know that you can't do what we saw after 2017. Like, hey, it was a pretty good year. Uh, let's just keep everybody the same. Yeah. I don't think you can afford to do that. Yeah. Now, uh, Shotgun, you actually mentioned JT Daniels. There's some breaking news from our own Greg Biggins of 247. Uh, he just reported that uh, he talked with JT Daniels' father, who said that JT Daniels is staying. He said that no matter what happened with the coaching decision, uh, JT was going to come back and play for USC and try and compete for uh, the starting quarterback job. So a little update there on USC's quarterback situation. Oh. I know we've gotten a lot of questions about that. Um, but let's jump in back to callers. Yeah, we gotta... I believe we have Mitchell from Utah about to be on the line. Hello, you are live on Tunnel Vision. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good. What's up? Um, obviously, it's super disappointed. I think Mike Bone's making a huge mistake. Um, I think with the cards he's playing, I think Shotgun's right. We have to address the staff. We have to get rid of Clancy Pendergast and John Baxter as soon as possible. Um, who are, I guess, some candidates? for those two positions that you guys would kind of lean to try and get. Uh, I think that's the best thing that we can do at this point. And what big names do you think could uh, flip to USC here in, in recruiting? Thanks. Um, Thanks. Yeah, it's, it's tough to talk about as the coaches right now. I think, you know, Dan Weber put it well on the Peristyle podcast we did yesterday, where say you could get someone like a Dave Aranda, you know, who's the, the considered like the top defensive coordinator in the country. He's working with Ed Orgeron at LSU. Are you going to, would he come to USC knowing, oh, we don't really tackle in practice and we don't do, the, I mean, I think you not only just, you have to get these coaches, but you have to change your philosophy and make sure that, hey, we're, if, if a Dave Aranda comes or somebody like that, of that ilk, hey, boom, come in and, uh, and, and, and let him practice, you know, the way they want to be able to practice. And I think there's going to be a lot of things, like they talked about changing the culture and all that stuff last year. I think if you're going to bring in some really good assistant coaches, you know, coordinators, you have to change the culture and not practice the way you've been practicing. I mean, you probably have assistants on the staff that wanted to tackle and things like that. 
and they weren't allowed to. And so if you bring in a, a defensive coordinator, he's probably going to want to tackle a little bit more than what you're seeing now. I mean, Jack Cade did say, he didn't say that he wanted to do this necessarily, but he said, at other places I've been, we even get to hit the quarterbacks sometimes. <laughs> but he made it sound like it was a little bit sketchy in that sense. Well, so. yeah, but you, you, if you're a defensive line coach, you want to be able to like tackle people and well, not just course. wait till the games, you know? Yes, yes. Uh, as far as recruits go, we're not going to dive into those weeds, but they're going to try to, now that there's been like this, I don't know if it's a, was this a vote of confidence? It's, I don't know if this is falling short of a vote of confidence. It's a vote of we're going to stay with the, we're going to stay the course more. But I think they're going to go out and try to flip people. And they're, they're, I is, think this is better than a vote of confidence. Vote of confidence normally comes during the season. Hey, we're going to keep him. And then sometimes that vote of confidence changes at the end of the season um, versus, yeah, we're going to keep him. I think this is a, yeah. a declaration. A declaration is better than a vote of confidence, in my opinion. All right. I think that maybe that's fair. I mean, he isn't really. Yeah. But what I anyway, so they're going to go out and try to get some guys. Um, I mean, they're going to go after like Bryce Young again. They're going to, you know, uh, who flipped to Alabama. Now you can say, hey, Clay Elton's sticking around. Do you want to come? Now, I think you could have got Bryce Young if you switch coaches. I don't know if you're going to be able to get Bryce Young if you keep Clay Elton. So um, we'll see. But, you know, that the Graham Harrell aspect is going to be really important because I think offensive Recruits would find the offense, uh, you know, very positive, uh, you know, receivers, you know, things like that. If he ends up leaving, is that going to be a problem? I still think you should, you know, sign some guys and then leave some spots open for the transfer portal and try to get them like that. Because the transfer portal is packed. And I think there's going to be some opportunities there. I think you sign even more than spots you have. Because I think you know that you're going to lose some of your own players to the transfer portal. Okay. So I, I think now who you're signing for transfers versus recruits, that could still be, you know, a question to be debated. But I think you go out and oversign over what is actually leaving as far as just seniors that are gone. You know, because you know you're gonna you're gonna have decisions on the NFL. Those could come out, you know, anytime now because you've seen a couple other guys that have already made their decisions in the Pac-12. Um, so you're gonna have those decisions made. You're also gonna have some guys that are gonna enter the transfer portal just because it's becoming so commonplace. You know, a lot of people were waiting on the dis this decision, right? Yeah, uh, on USC's roster. That's the, I guess that's a good thing. There's a lot of other schools that were losing players to the transfer portal because USC didn't have a decision yet. They were kind of waiting on that. So, like, you haven't seen a bunch of guys transfer out yet. You might now, though. You might, but I think it also will come to the assistants. I think assistants yep. are going to play. You, yeah. It's relationships with your position coaches yep. are where you start at, and then your head coach a lot of times. So, I, I think those could still – there still could be an opening. You know, there could be – is there going to be a flood into the transfer portal? I, I think that's going to depend on the on changes that are made on the staff. Yep. Whether, whether there are changes, what changes are made – so I, I think that that's a question we've gotten asked a, a few times on YouTube uh, in particular. But uh, I think that's going to be still a question mark is how many people USC loses the transfer portal. There will lose some yep. inevitably, uh, but how many will determ be determined by the, the changes to the staff? Yeah. yeah and that, USC 04 says higher assistance with good recruiting records. That's one of the issues as a staff. There's just too many guys on the staff that were kind of part-time recruiters. I think that's a really good point. You got to make sure you bring in guys that are relentless recruiters. Like what, you know, your story you wrote about uh, Mario Cristobal in Oregon and their staff, how well they recruit. Yeah. Now, uh, everyone brace yourselves. Not brace yourselves, but we always like a, multiple, a multitude of opinions. And I believe our next caller has a different opinion than what we've heard from the majority. It's Jake from Beverly Hills. Hello, you're live on Tunnel Vision. 
Guys, thank you so much. I want to thank the three of you, including Dan, for telling it like it is. But I've been a USC fan since 1976. I'm going to remain a USC fan. I like what Bone did, and here's what he did. I think he went out and tried to get a better coach, Urban Myers. I think they talked to Bob Stoops. Allegedly, they could not land those guys, so they kept Clay Helton for one more year. That's smart. I will say this in closing. I look at schools like Florida State's a circus. What happened with Penn State and Joe Paterno? Alabama, there's fans at 10-2 and two are mad at Nick Saban saying he's slipping. Look at Jimmy Harbaugh at Michigan. I think the fans have become spoiled. They've lost the pure love of the sport. And I'll always be a USC fan. Why? Because I'm a Southern California native. What SC represents for our community. And I'm always going to love SC football. And, you know, hey, that's my take. And I know I'm the only one with that take. But I'm staying with Clay Helton for one more year. Thanks, Jake. No, I don't think you're the only one that take. It's definitely, I mean, I think you're someone that would be in favor of getting another coach. I think that's the most common take. But there's some people that are like, you know, if you, there were people that told us if you couldn't get a home run higher, I'm fine with keep bringing Clay Helton back. And there's a lot of fans that just, they go to the games because they like going to the games. It's been the tradition and stuff. And, you know, win, lose, whatever, they're fine. I think we're, we're hearing from the passionate fans that really care about winning. They The problem is they don't feel like the administration cares as much about winning there, but no, yeah, you know, Jake, that's a that's a fine thing. If you're a fan and you want to go to games, I hate it when other fans are like you're supporting you by giving them money. No, like if you want to go go to games, go to games. If you want to watch them on TV, watch them on TV. If you don't want to watch anymore and you want to go to the beach instead, that's your you know it's your money, it's your time. That's only you're the only one that can put a value on that. So um, yeah, don't begrudge any fans that want to say I'm still going to support this team. I mean, you should be able to if you want to, and if you don't want to, you should be able to too. Yep. Can I just go to the beach instead of watch the game? No, you got to pay you to not go. Oh, to the beach. okay. <laughs> just uh, check. You don't get paid if you go just to the beach. Checking, so. Just check. Interesting. Uh, let's go to our <laughs> next caller. I believe it is Jackie from Palo Alto. Hello, yeah. you're live on television. Hi. Thanks for all your hard work during this interesting time. I think one of the biggest impediments to getting a new coach was that absolutely unconscionable extension back in 2016. 17, 2016. Um, in terms of, I think it's very possible we do well next year, but Bone only loses me if he gives Helton a contract extension. What's the likelihood of how far Helton makes it? And is it has any coach ever um, totally played out his, his current contract without getting an extension? I don't really know the specifics of that. Thanks. Thanks, Jack. Yeah, so it was 2018, February, I believe, is when the extension came. And usually right. when you get an extension, like we saw P.J. Fleck get one at Minnesota. Why was he getting an extension? He had years left on his contract because other people wanted to hire him away. No one was trying to hire away Clay Helton. And that's to me, that's a really inexperienced and arrogant athletic director, Lynn Swan, probably getting schooled by Jimmy Sexton or whatever agent and, and gets, oh, you need to give Clay Elton an extension. And now you've handcuffed uh, the current administration. So Normally there's two reasons to give an extension. One is to fend off other suitors. That's the P.J. Fleck. That's the um, Matt Campbell at Iowa State. You, you lengthen that contract. The contract is worth more. The, buy, buyout. the buyout becomes the school that is going to hire them away has to pay that buyout or the you know the coach has to pay that buyout. So you have to really want that guy because you're yeah. paying a premium on it. Yeah. So, uh, and that's part of the, the talk about buyouts with Clay Helton is more you're just paying the length of the contract rather than, you know, there's a certain amount. Now, there may be a, a – um, 
not a bonus, but a a penalty if you fire him before a certain amount of time. You know, th- those can be te- those could be buyouts if you want. But the other reason why you extend people is for you know, just show stability as far as recruiting. Now, did Linswan need to do that? No, because he still had what three years left on his contract yeah, at the time. Him. I think usually that's when you get to one year left or two years left. You want to show that yeah, the this coach you get a two year extension. And it goes from a two-year contract remaining to a four-year. So when you go to recruit, I'm going to be here. You know, my contract's through four years now, not just two years. So they don't have to worry about that because that becomes a negative recruiting tool for other schools. Like, what, he's only going to be there. next. Like, they have no faith in him type of thing. And was Clay Helton's necessary? No. That was the reason that Lin Swan gave, but it was it was too early. You didn't yeah. have to do it. Um, so if if Clay Helton were to get to the end of his contract, you know, it would be very difficult for him, this, this current contract he's on right now, if he were to play it out like she was saying, does that ever happen? It rarely right. ever happens yeah. because it's so hard to recruit if your contract's up the next season. And that's part of the thing with – and that's been something with assistant coach contracts. Are they on one-year contracts? Are they on two-year contracts? Because that's a lot of the, the assistant coach contracts. There's very few assistant coach contracts that are lengthy. And that's part of the reason because they move more often. Yeah. So, you know, they don't want to pay that money out. The school or the school is buying them out or, you know, so those can be a little bit different. But sometimes you give an extension on those assistant coach uh, just for recruiting as well. You add an extra year, you add the two years. Alrighty, let's go to our next caller. And then we should probably give some love to the platforms uh, who everyone's commenting. So if you want to get your questions soon, guys. But let's go to Zach from LA. Hello, you're live on television. Hey, guys. Tough day. Good work covering everything. You guys have been so professional. Um, I I just want to really quickly, before I ask my question, disagree with Jake from Beverly Hills that uh, fans are spoiled. We would be spoiled maybe in the Lane Kiffin era when we were just coming off of the Pete Carroll dynasty and we were first tasting defeat on a regular basis, but it's been 10 years. I think fans deserve better at this point than the mediocrity we've suffered. Um, I don't don't think we're spoiled. I think we're deprived, and we just want to win again. We just want to win on a semi-consistent basis, Um, and unfortunately, our new athletic director doesn't have the vision to get that done. Uh, my question is something that Keeley touched on. Oh, and I also want to say, 10 years of basically the same coaching staff, just with chairs reshuffled. I mean, it's a, the, the Kiffin-Stark-Helton era is basically one mix of the same three coaches with slightly different coordinators every year. I consider it one decade of the same coaching staff basically shuffled around. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree, but my question is something that Keeley touched on. Do you think if Lynn Swan was still here that Helton would have gotten fired. I personally do uh, because I think Swan would have been under more pressure given that he had just made the decision to keep him last year. Uh, It's kind of funny how things work out that way. Maybe we'd be better off with Swan for another year. Anyways, uh, thanks, guys, and fight on. Thanks for the call. Was that Zach? Zach. 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 Hey, Zach, yeah. um, Yeah, I don't think the spoiled thing, I didn't agree with uh, uh, Jake's take on that, but I think that's a really good point. The kind of how bad are things screwed up at USC? If you kept your bad athletic director, it was more likely the right decision would have been made. But because you had to force I him out, of that, but that's I think that's real. I yeah, 
Yeah, no, because we asked Lynn Swan when they opened the Coliseum after the renovation, what are your goals for the season? And he said, Clay Helton knows that he needs to get back to the Pac-12 championship. Yeah. And the goals were clear, one, in the statement we read at the top of the show, and two, in his little presser that he had at that point. So you have specific goals that were not met, but then you don't have the guy who enforced those goals. So it's it's interesting how that yeah, works out. Like the, the the level of incompetence at USC and the administration over the last decade. And I you know, I think careful Mike Bone, I think they can do a nice job. They're in this weird it's a weird spot. They've not been it's not been a, an ideal situation, but you would have been better off at USC, which is sort of like the sanctions if you go back to that. USC would have been better off keeping Mike Garrett and handling, having him deal with the NCAA and fighting back. And they would have been better off than, you know, when then Pat Hayden comes in. And they would have been better off when the sanctions were handed down if Pat Hayden was the athletic director because he would have been more, you know, kissing the NCAA's butt and then they probably wouldn't have been hit as hard. So, like, you needed the exact opposite thing to happen. Same sort of situation here that if you would have just kept your incompetent athletic director, he probably would have got rid of uh, your below average head coach. Like, that's. That's baffling, but a really good point from Zach. Yep. Um, we actually have a question from Corey on YouTube who said, what would it take in your minds to win fans back over on the Clay Helton era? I think it's a college football playoff appearance. Yeah. like At minimum. There's yeah. no, like, you know, we're fighting, we're close to the Pac-12 South. It's beating yeah. Alabama. It's beating Notre Dame. It's beating the, all the good teams. And if you want to lose to, like, an Oregon State or something, or they don't play Oregon State, but, you maybe, you know, you lose to, like, an Arizona State at some point, but you already beat Alabama and Notre Dame. Like, that's okay. Like, you got to beat those good teams. Like, he, if you, he asked, will winning this year's bowl game and beating Alabama be good enough? And I no. think I think it's more than that. Yeah. I think it gets you, you on the right track, though. College football yeah. playoff, I think, is the minimum. Yeah, you have to do that as a minimum to win the bowl game and beat Alabama to get a chance to win some of the fans back. Like you, it's not. This isn't about man. We we're so close. So we you almost beat Cal. Like none of that. That doesn't matter. Like you can't talk like that. Yeah, winning consistently and impressively. And, yeah, and like you said, Ryan, not winning on a, a tipped interception or something like that, where it looks much better in the end than it yeah. did when you were watching the game. Don't beat like Fresno that. State, who doesn't have a winning record by eight points. You know, like more, don't lose to BYU. More you know? Cal wins than Arizona State wins. Sure. Yeah, that's good. But you know, Cal didn't have their quarterback either, so it's like USC didn't have theirs. Well, they have better quarterbacks. I mean, they don't they have, have Devin, everything. They don't have Devin Monster on the back. You know, it's back up. Let's go to Brendan from Minnesota. Hello, you're live on television. Hey guys, uh, long time no talk, but uh, so Mike Bone or however you say his last name said that there's going to need to be some some tough decisions being made. I know the tough decision is not to be getting rid of Graham Harrell. Do you think it's to be getting rid of uh, Clancy Pendergast? Because at this point, watching his defense struggle year upon year, it's just getting tiresome. But on the flip side, though, really quick, I'm actually optimistic a little bit as long as we can keep Graham Harrell. If we can huh. keep Graham Harrell, I can see the bright side with him, at least, and and keep keeping him. That's just me. Yeah. Yep. Thanks for the call. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I haven't dove into the numbers, defensive numbers and stuff, but I think just on the surface, what you talked about doing last year, you didn't do by doing a, a, a you know, Brian Kelly kind of purge. I think no matter what the special teams and defensive coordinators did this year, you like what Graham Harrell's doing. You pretty much have to get rid of those guys, just no matter what, even if they're performing well, which I don't think they have. Those guys meaning? Clancy Pendergast and, and John Baxter. I think even if they had like good or decent years, 
because you need to make big changes, you kind of just have to get rid of them no matter what. You've already got rid of the strength and conditioning coach or he left and you have a new offensive coordinator. So that's the only things that are like you have to like moving a couple assistants isn't going to work. You have to get go coordinators, even if they, you know, you feel like they've been performing well. I don't think you have much of a choice there because you didn't do it last year. You kind of like, well, you, you can't keep bringing those guys back when the team's underperforming year after year. They were 66 in the country in scoring defense this season. They were 83rd in the country in uh, team total defense, giving up 415 yards a game. So, you know, those numbers, while in a vacuum, maybe they're not the worst numbers ever, they're still not good. They're They're not not great numbers. You want great numbers. The offense had the fifth-best passing offense in the country. They had the 18th-best total offense in the country. Yeah. Those are type numbers you want, and that's what you yeah. expect at a blue blood program. And that, unfortunately for USC, they haven't been getting those numbers, even though they have a ton of talent. They did have a ton of injuries on defense in particular. Those ones aren't talked about as much, but there was basically a rotation every week. But there are areas where they're just not continuing to get better at, and that's one of them. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, I think you're right. So I think that's the kind of moves that would need to be made, regardless of the performance. But like Shotgun said, the performance hasn't been great either. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Brendan. Let's go to Alonzo from West Covina. Hello, you're live on Television. Hi, guys. Uh, just want to let you guys know that you guys do an awesome job. And then uh, you guys already brought up a, uh, a little bit about, um, G- uh, about Graham Harrell. Um, you guys said that you think he's going to end the uh, – I mean, if he leaves, he's going to keep the air raid. I think they're going to go back to Gumble. also. Um, um, I would like to see let's see if they can go after the DC from Utah, uh, Mark and Scally. And then um, we'll see what happens. I'm really upset. I'm not going to another SC game until they can play. Thank you, guys. Thanks for the call. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with Shotgun. I think they'll probably stick with the air raid. The gumbo thing would be, you know, if you're like, well, now we know it, so we'll bring in someone that can kind of run it and we'll all run it together. I think that would be a real problem. You just need... Someone running it, it's, it's pretty clear Graham Harrell's running the offense and you just let him do it. They need to do that again if Graham Harrell uh, leaves. I agree with you there. You can't go back to any kind of gumbo uh, and say, like, well, we know the air raid now. We can all kind of do it together. Like, no, don't do that. Bring in someone that runs the offense, you know? No, one of the reasons why the offense was so good is the adjustments that Harrell made in-game. You know, that was talked about by a lot of the players and stuff and, you know, the way that they would make adjustments at halftime. Those were things that, that hadn't been ma- happening in the past and a lot of that credit goes to Graham Harrell. Someone asked, does does he get any credit for having a third-string quarterback coming in and win? I think that was directed towards Clay Helton. No, I think that goes to Graham Harrell. Yeah. You know, he's the guy that – and he wasn't a third-string. He was a second-string guy. He's been the second-string. Now, if you want to say Matt Fink, no, that's a veteran guy. Yeah, they keep saying the kids love his third-string. He was, he was a backup. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I think that goes to Graham Harrell as well because he's the one that that's, has raved about Keaton Slovis since the very beginning, and he's the one that pushed for him to be second on the depth chart as well. Yep. Uh, well, let's jump into questions. I know we've gotten a ton on all the platforms that we're streaming, and we've reached the hour mark, so let's go into a little bit of rapid fire. I'll jump back into questions in a little bit. Uh, John, you on YouTube said, how can you say uh, – how how could Mike Bones say in his comments that Clay Helton did his best coaching job this year when he only went 8-4? and four? That's a tough one to swallow, I think, for your USC fan. Um, the, the narrative will be, well, they had they lost their quarterback. They had a lot of injuries. It was a young team. And, and you know, we've said this a thousand times on the show. After five and seven, you can't have excuses like that. You just have to go out and win games. You were still more talented than all those teams you played. 
that what's your excuse for losing to BYU and, and losing to a pretty bad Washington team this year that, you know, Chris Peterson walked away from and getting absolutely boat raced by Oregon when Arizona State beats him uh, soon after that. So, yeah, the, I, I don't buy the excuses. I don't think this was his best coaching job. No, I think definitely the Rose Bowl season. Yeah. Coming back one and three and one in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, because one and three, everything can fall apart. Even if you put a new co- quarterback yeah. in, you know, the just the demeanor of the team can just, you know, everything can just kind of fall apart. Instead, they came together, played really well. Schedule got softer. Sam Darnold was really good. Yeah. Philip on YouTube wants to know personally, Ryan, were you surprised that uh, USC brought back Clay Helton? Uh, no, I mean, not today. I was like a few days ago when people I trust started telling me that it looks like he was going to come back. And you're sort of like, really? And because we've heard, I mean, there were so many things. All of us have sources. We talked to different people and I, we've been told completely different things. I, mean, I can't tell you how many times so many rumors. people told me like, oh, he, so Clay many. is done. It was decided two months ago and Urban Meyer's already signed and he bought a house in Manhattan Beach. Like there's, there was stuff like that. And there, I think there was a lot of wishful thinking, um, but there was, yeah. So I wasn't surprised today. I was surprised a couple of days. I thought over the last 24 hours, there might have been some, some of the outrage might have moved uh, Mike Bone into another direction. But, you know, I, then I kept getting confirmation from people like, yeah, as of like two days ago, I wasn't surprised. But I was leading up to that. I was like, wow, that's really a possibility. For 72 hours, I basically did not leave my couch. I had my, my computer in front of me, my phone was going back and forth, DMs, texts, everything, just in follow, trying to keep up with everything, keep up with the message boards. So many rumors out there. Yeah. And because there were so, like, they were in different pockets everywhere. Like, nothing nothing was a consistent, you know, narrative going forward. Like, maybe it's this, maybe it's this, but it's all leading towards, no, it was everywhere. And so I left a day. I went, I had some friends in town. I went and played tour guide. I, I was in Beverly Hills. So you put this in motion, Chaka? Not necessarily, because yes, we did. kind of heard that today was the day. So, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I expected things to happen. And, you know, I will apologize to you guys because I said that it would be in two days. You know, we, I, there was supposed to be a meeting with Bone with the coaching staff on Monday. I expected there to be something come out of that. Within 24 hours of that meeting, I expected an announcement to be made. Turned out it was 36. Or maybe maybe even forty eight, not even forty eight, but you know it came out today. Um, so that's why I told you guys that it was. I expected it to be two days, um, and it ends up coming out today. But you know, once we started hearing a lot of stuff, the the wheels started moving in the last twenty four hours, last you know maybe twelve to fifteen hours before the announcement was made. I was like, all right, it's done, and everything continued to point that direction this morning. So I was like, I'm getting off this couch. I got to get outside. I do, do something. something. Else. <laughs> it felt like a baby being bored. It was kind of just like, okay, I'm walking around my apartment, yeah. just waiting. You do induce this thing, yeah. yeah. Like, let's get the C-section. And it was going. funny too, because like over the weekend, I think is when we started to hear that it was probably going to come back. Then the erroneous report comes out that he's definitely fired, and that went everywhere. And I was like, he's fired, he's fired, he's fired, and we we're like. And then all these other people came out, even the state publication saying that's not true. And you're like, oh, crap. So what we were hearing before this report, and then we got a lot of crap. Like, why don't you know that he's being fired? Like, well, because he's not. So, I I mean, I don't know what to tell you. But so, that I mean, that happens, I think, more now than uh, before. There's a lot of, you know, people just trying to be first. But it's... It made things even more confusing for us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was kind of crazy. But not not shocked today, but shocked maybe like like Shotgun said seventy two hours ago when you start hearing like oh wow this is real. Mm-hmm. Joan on YouTube says, uh, how much influence do you think the board of trustees, namely Rick Caruso, uh, had in influencing this decision? We had heard it was a Mike Bone decision um, a, a, as of like 
a week or so ago or a few, you know, definitely a few days ago. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I There has to be other factors in play. It might just be, like you talked about, tried to get Urban Meyer or James Franklin and couldn't, and then you just move on, or Bob Stoops or whatever. Like Maybe that was the case. Um, but to me, there's got to be other factors involved that you're bringing him back because there's you have to realize how unpopular of a decision that's going to be as a as a new athletic director. You don't want to be. I mean, how, how long did it take USC fans to turn on Lin Swan? Like you know, they, he's this beloved USC, um, you know, icon, uh, Hall of Famer, and everything. And then at some point, USC fans just hated him. They just hated all you know his lack of. You know, professionalism is, you know, he wouldn't sign autographs. He wasn't like being nice to anybody, um, you know, and now you're Mike Bone and people don't really know you from Adam. Uh, you're at least a professional. You've done it before. And you really, really, really upset all the people that, you know, you have to impress. So uh, and you're going to be calling to get checks from and, and raise money from. So I, it had to be. I mean, he has to know that it's not going to make him very popular. So there had to be some other circumstances that are like, you really had to bring him back because of A, B, and C that we just can't know right now. Um, Joan, That's my theory. But. Joan responded and said, clearly, Keely, you've never had a child. That's true. I wasn't <laughs> saying that I was having the baby. I was just waiting for a family member to have a baby, if you will. Just kind of waiting, watching, not being productive. Um we had a question from Kalba, or Pete, I believe, who says, what does this decision do for donors, boosters? Weren't they the ones funding the, the Coliseum renovation? I mean, I heard from someone that is uh, not a sweet owner, but is in the club, like uh, one of the club people, and he's pulling out. He said he had a couple of friends that were, um, you know, in the suites. I guess one of the, they had one suite that sold recently, so they haven't, from, according to him, they hadn't, you know, that person could pull out because he just, you know, got into it. I, I mean, there's all that stuff too. It's hard to say, but there's definitely, and we've heard from a lot of other people too. Uh, we had a caller that said they give $10,000 a year that they're not giving to. So I, I think donations and all that stuff is going to go down. Um, I, I don't know. It's hard to say how much. It's hard. Maybe people are just upset and they're not going to really go through with it. But I, I get the feeling that a lot of these people are. I'll create a Venmo for myself if you yeah. guys want to spread your donations elsewhere there was a twitter campaign that they said hey if you're not going to give to the athletic department give to the you know trojan marching band and that was getting some popularity on twitter but but you could also throw a shotgun in the mix <laughs> mitchell on youtube says how can mike bone hear all the outrage and not have his mind changed it comes across as completely ignorant that's what, so that's why i said i don't think it's ignorant i think there's got to be other circumstances that are like here's all the reasons why not so he, i think he had to know wow this is going to be unpopular but we have to do it for something that, that I haven't heard yet. Um, so that, that's my guess. Um, Dan on YouTube says, my question is what went wrong? We saw success early on in the Clay Helton era with a Rose Bowl and a Pac-12 championship. Is that because uh, none of those recru recruits were his? I think Sam Darnold had a lot to do with it. Uh, he made up for a lot, but you can have other special players come in as well and continue to, to do things like that. But the question is, can you progress from that? You know, getting getting that Pac-12 championship was, you know, getting to the Rose Bowl was because someone else got into the playoff. Getting that Pac-12 championship kind of felt hollow when you get destroyed in the Cotton Bowl. Yeah. So yeah. can you progress from getting to this level? You know, they were at the good level. Yeah. Can you get to the great level though? And that's that's what we ha hasn't definitely hasn't happened the last two seasons, but that was kind of the question mark even then with Clay Helton coming off the Rose Bowl there were people who were not in the Clay Helton camp. 
because they didn't know that he could take USC to the next level, to the championship level, which is what everyone as a fan wants USC to get back to after seeing the success during the Pete Carroll uh, run. Yeah. Um, let's jump into calls. We still yeah. have more. Um, Bossman, how long do you want to go on this thing? I don't know. Let's like, just crank some calls out real quick. And okay, see what let's we got. do those. Let's go from Alan from St. Louis. Hello, you're live on Tunnel Vision. Hi, guys. Hello. AKA Alan from St. Louis. Um, thanks for being along television tonight. Um, uh, short question. Uh, just based off of stuff you're seeing from John Wilner on Twitter and other people, rumors all about people in administration not wanting Meyer. Are there people in Heritage Hall who think that we can't have both a winning program and a clean program at the same time? Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, I know there's people in Heritage Hall that really wanted to bring Urban Meyer in. There's, there's definitely people that wanted that. I think there's some uh, that didn't. I think there's some some of the older guard that didn't really want someone like Urban Meyer because of the power they would yield. If Urban Meyer came in, there would be a lot of people fired and there would be a lot of his people put in there, not just, you know, football wise, but throughout the pro throughout the athletic department. And you have to be dedicated to winning if you want to do that. Like you listen to Urban Meyer. He's a it's like he has a PhD in football culture and, you know, he, but you'd have to do it his way. USC has been very reluctant to let people come in. Chris Peterson was the same sort of thing. He would, you know, he wanted to do things his way. And USC is like, yeah, this isn't a great fit. You want a winning program. You just let a winner come in and do their thing. And we haven't, you know, with Mike Bone, maybe after a year or two, he'll, he'll be able to do something like that. But the people that are there now, I know that's been one of the big, you know, they've been reluctant to do that. You don't want to change the way USC does things. Um, but the problem is USC has been doing the same thing for years and years. And you have to make that, that change. Yeah, I, I think more so than whether Urban Meyer was "quote unquote" dirty and you know having a clean program was the power issue. That yeah. I think that was a much bigger concern for people in Heritage Hall that maybe didn't want Urban Meyer versus some of the people who did. Um, Facebook, I'm trying to get some questions ready, but y'all keep commenting instead of having questions. It's so if you tough, want a question yeah. answered, uh, make sure you put that in sometime. But like question, soon. You know, yeah, like a... that always helps too. Uh, but thank you, Alan, aka Ellen, for the call. Uh, let's go to Miguel from the PV. Hello, you're live on Tunnel Vision. Hey guys, I just wanted to say thank you for everything you guys do for the Trojan faithful. I really do appreciate it. I've been a fan since I was five months old, and um, I guess the one thing over the years that I've seen is I just wanted to know where mediocrity in these eight and four seasons became sort of the standard, I guess you would call it, nowadays. I can understand the season like 2016 where we played Bama, we played tough schedule like that. I'm actually surprised we came out um, 10 and three out of that season. The other thing I want to know is, uh, do you think the bowl game changes anything, the result, if we get boat raced by Baylor or Kansas State? I guess those are the two things that are kind of looming over my head right now. Thank you guys. Fight on. Thanks, Miguel. I think it's just PV. I don't think they say the PV. If he's talking Pellets Verdes, it's not. I don't know. They don't say the PV? They say like the OC? It's PV. No, there's no oh, the for, for PV. It's just PV. Um, yeah. What was the question now? Just, oh, wow. <laughs> That's what you get for snarking. I was just snarking. <laughs> I was producing, so I did not hear it. I'm sorry. We lost it. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> of you. <laughs> Hold wait, on. hold I on. Have, I have him on mute. I'll bring wait, you back. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Hello. We want your question. What was it again? I just want to tell First off, it was about whether mediocrity. Oh, mediocrity. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got, okay, Miguel, okay. Okay. We got it back. Sorry. sorry, Miguel. We're muting you again. That's, sorry, Miguel. Um, yeah, so that's one of the issues I think the fans have a problem with is that Clay Helton has sort of lowered the bar where you want to come out and say, 
you know, he was talking about, hey, we still have a chance to win 10 games and we could, you know, get into the South and, and win the championship. And, and like, that shouldn't be the mark. Like, they'd be like, but that's not, they want to say, but that's not good enough. Like, yeah, we have a chance to go to the Rose Bowl again, but we should not be, we should not have four losses. Like, they want to hear that, you know, and, and they're not. And I feel like that's what's happened is the bar's been lowered and it's sort of like, I'm going to keep telling shotgun. Oh no, you're you're not. You know, you should be here. You should be here. You should be here. And then let him get used to that. And the fans don't want to be used to that. They want to be used to being up here. So I I think that's a a real issue, Miguel. And they're not buying it when you're talking about, hey, we were this close to winning the Pac-12 South. It's like who cares? Like you should win the Pac-12 South. Shotgun. Yeah, it, you, fans don't want mediocrity. No. You know, fans at Arkansas don't want no. mediocrity. You know, no one wants mediocrity. Some people are happy with it. If you're at a, a place like SMU, you get to 10 wins, you're excited about it. But once you start establishing the culture, if they win 10 wins five years in a row, then it becomes, oh, we only won 10 wins again. We want to get to the next step. And that was, you know, when you had Pete Carroll, it was like, oh, we're going back to the Rose Bowl. We want to be in the championship. You build those expectations, and that's it. You know, at a blue blood program, the expectations remain there unless there is a sustained, you know, lengthy time where you don't have any success. And then it's like, oh, we got some success. That's good. At a Blue Blood program, that should never happen. No. So having mediocrity is not something that is ever accepted at a Blue Blood program. Look at a school like Texas. Look at, you know, the the Floridas or uh, Florida States or Alabamas of the world. You know, when they have a couple years bad in a row, fans are outraged. They want something to change because they're used to winning. And that's what fans at USC should be, you know, should expect and should be able to, you know, the, the team should be able to live up to that. There's a ton of advantages at USC along with their history, heritage, all those things. If the right resources are, you know, are pumped into the program with the right people, USC will be successful. Yeah. For 2017 season for USC, winning the Pac-12, getting beat by Notre Dame badly in, in Ohio State, was a, it should be an okay season, not this is, yo, look, we won the Pac 12. It shouldn't be something you put in the trophy case. That's like, eh, you know, that's fine. For Utah, that's probably an awesome season. They've never won the Pac 12. For Cal, yes, that, that's an amazing season. That's not an amazing season for USC. And I feel like they've just kind of lowered the bar. And you can't, fans don't want that. They don't want to hear that. They know they're more talented than everyone you're playing. You should at least be able to do that. And then they want you to go that next step and beat those better teams. Thank you, Miguel, for the call. I'm sorry that we forgot your question initially. Aka, Ryan. I blame Keely. She's the uh, she's the producer. Um, our buddy Tommy on Facebook, Tommy Morris, says, "Question: uh, Keenan Kristen and Keenan Slovis will bring USC a national championship, and Clay Helton brought them in. Does no one else look down uh, a couple years down the road?" What? That's a pretty big jump. You think they're going to go from five and seven, eight and four to a national championship? That's what uh, Tommy says. Yeah, Tommy, they're not winning a national championship with this. No, like Clay Hilton's not going to win a national championship. Like I, I'll, I'll bet whatever you want, he is not winning a national championship. There are plenty of pieces you can build around. Yes, but you have to have that attention to detail, and that's what has been missing for me uh, with this Clay Helton regime. Is that you know the things from the penalties and turnovers to the tackling, you know, the consistent angles on stuff. You know, when you get in one of those big games. Are you going to freak out and miss a tackle that ends up leading to a long touchdown run that changes the the you know a college football playoff game? You know, are you going to be able to maintain your your uh, technique when Tua throws the ball down the sideline in you know the national championship against you? you? Those type things, those are when all your small details come out. You know, in the on the biggest stages, 
And USC can't even get to the biggest stages right now. So, you know, it's the small details that are the biggest issue for me uh, with what has gone on. It's just an accumulation of them that causes you to go five and seven or eight and, you know, yeah. eight and four. So you got to knock out all those things before you can get anywhere close to the national championship. This team is far, far away from winning a national championship. You can't look at, oh, they got a nice running back and a nice quarterback that are freshmen. They're going to win one. Like that's, there's a lot that's going to have to change for them to try to win a national championship. Quick on Periscope. Uh, hey, Periscope love. J.M. Geezy, he's hood question. Uh, what What is this outstanding, all caps, recruiting class Helton is referring to? Being 67th isn't good. Yeah, that was a little weird. I think you just want to say, I, for him to say putting like the finishing, was it putting the finishing touches on this outstanding recruiting class or on an outstanding oh, man, recruiting class? We're putting the final touches on an outstanding recruiting yeah, class. That, to me, is pretty tone deaf. It's not an outstanding recruiting class by any measure. So I think you could have said something like, we are really, you know, something about we're going to hit the recruiting trail hard and, and we, we're going to finish really strong for this recruiting class, something like that. You, I think that's valid. But to say, to call it an outstanding recruiting class and you're just putting the fishing touches on it is erroneous. Like it's just, that's just a falsehood. So I, I don't like the, the fact that he said that. Like I said, there would have to be a lot of changes for it to be an outstanding yeah. recruiting class. It wouldn't be the finishing touches. It's sort of like, you know, it's like I'm putting the finishing touches on this amazing banana split and all you have in the bowl is a cherry. Like you're <laughs> you're not putting the finishing touches on it. You have to put the why ice would, cream. Why would you start analogy. with a cherry? Why would you start with a cherry and a banana split? I don't well, because I you could you just say you just have the they banana. Don't even, they, don't even have have a, banana. they don't even have a scoop of ice cream. They would have they would have like the banana like not a, an unpeeled banana sitting next to a bowl. Like that's the start you have. That's not finishing touches. That's like you still have to build the whole damn Sunday. So Yes, I think that was not – I don't like that how that was worded. Also, uh, many of my friends will know that I say this a lot, but semantics are important. Ugh, sorry. <laughs> he said that to me all the time. So Is you, Kelly a friend of yours? Are you a friend? Uh, debatable. She's over at the apartment enough for film study. But okay. Semantics sure. are important. Uh, so if you say awesome if I, or outstanding, excuse me, you say outstanding, I think top five. Yeah, that's that's what it means to me. Top five is outstanding. Not top seventy. No, not top twenty. Not eleventh. Not eleventh in the Pac-12. No, I mean, just if they get up to twenty, you'd say, "Wow, that's an, a dramatic improvement." And I still would not say that's outstanding. Yeah, like well, I've made, that may be an outstanding turnaround, but you, what you say is important. So use the right words and outstanding. Recruiting class, no. There's no chance of it. Not, there's no. no way they're getting in the top five. None. They would have to flip DJ, Bryce, get Justin uh, Flo. You know, they would have to like just nail all the Southern California recruits that they've missed out on. Now, if they think that's going to happen, well. Then that is an outstanding then, class. Then it'll, right. it but will you're not be, putting the finishing touches on it. You're building the entire thing from the, you know. They're all silent commits. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're, I'm not putting the finishing joking, touches. by the way. I just want to put that out. Chuck, I was joking. Yeah. I'm not putting the finishing touches on a house when, like, the foundation hasn't been, you know, set yet. Like, yeah. you are putting the finishing touches when you're, like, hanging up pictures and stuff. That's not what this recruiting class is. They are, like, if they can make it a top 20 class, they still have to dig the hole for the foundation. I mean, they, that's that's where they are right now. So, And I think that type of unrealistic speak semantics is what makes fans so upset and i think if you're gonna see if, if clay was maybe turning a corner he might might have had a different statement but at the same time i know shotgun always wants me to have a reaction on the family feud podcast plug about what clay helton says but i'm always like this is what clay helton is this is what he's gonna say do we put much stock into those type of pr like lines at this point of the, of the game can't wait to see this team in november oh that, my that God. was last year yeah uh there was a lot of there's a lot of quotes that are just kind of cringeworthy. 
So, but yeah, that but that's the way Clay Allen is. He's going to be the eternal it? optimist. He's going to say, even if it's like say a number forty recruiting class, the by far the worst that USC's ever signed in the, like the internet age. Like no classes have been and close to that bad. Say that's what USC gets to. He's still going to spin it like, hey, we love this guy. We love this guy. I don't worry about stars. I, you know, and to his credit, there's some guys from this class and this freshman class that were three star guys that are playing really well. So. But I, I'm not seeing that same sort. There's not like Drake Jackson's in this recruiting class yet. There's not, you know, Keaton Christians I'm seeing in this recruiting class. So it seems like a lot of project offensive linemen and stuff, not impact guys right away. Um, so, you know, we'll see. But that, I think that's how he will say. It. And that's, that's like Keely said, that's his personality. He's going to be the eternal optimist. Yeah. Uh, we actually have someone who is a pro Helton caller, Rich from San Diego. Hello, you're live What's on up, Rich? Tunnel Vision. Hi, this is Rich from San Diego. I'm a USC alum, and I'm a passionate football fan. Um, I am a pro Helton guy, um, but I want to back up and look at the big picture because if you take a look at the university in general, its reputation is pretty shot, and um, and Clay Helton's running a clean program. I think that's a really big positive. I mean, for 10 years, he's been the only adult in the room in the football program. You take a look at the nightmare that Pat Hayden was with – uh, the way he handled Lane Kiffin, his uh, hiring a, a drunk instead of Ed Orgeron, um, you know, and when when Clay Helton was made the permanent head coach, uh, he got a standing ovation from the players in the room. And let's not forget that when Keaton Slovis played his uh, single season or single game passing record, uh, he played that game for Clay Helton and he made it known beforehand. So he has... Um, you know, there, there's a lot of things that are um, uh, in his favor. Uh, and I think in the long term, I don't think the administration, the administration has a lot more things to handle uh, than upending a program that at the very least is clean uh, and has a reasonably good foundation. So I, I think that the, the last couple of years have been troubling, but uh, nevertheless, I think uh, I think he's been a steady hand and somebody that uh, 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 can see the program through uh, at least for the next couple of years. And right now, to be perfectly honest, um, the condition of USC is in general, I don't believe that any top tier coach is going to come in to the chaos the USC is. So I'll leave it to you to make comments on that and, uh, um, and love listening to you guys and, and, uh, and appreciate you. Thanks. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, he's he's going to be dodging fruit that fans are going to be throwing at him, uh, unfortunately. Well, we, we take all opinions We do. Uh, I don't. I disagree with you, Rich, on the uh, no coach would want to come here. That, to me, is more of a defeatist attitude. I think, yes, the administration has been terrible. Clay Helton's been the adult in the room. If you're happy with just, you know, not a lot of guys getting arrested and you can win eight or nine games a year, that's fine. I just think a lot of USC fans have much higher expectations than that. So to me, you're kind of lowering the bar yourself. It's like, yeah, but it, the program's clean and okay. If they don't tackle or they don't beat the good teams, like that's still all right. Like that's to me, I mean, if that's what you want, that's what you're getting. And that's what Clay Helton's bringing you. Uh, but I think a lot of USC fans want more, but to say that no coach would come, I, I to me, I think it's harder to get a great athletic director because of the mess that's there. But an urban Meyer would, he's an alpha. He comes in and he sees the potential of USC. He knows he doesn't have an LSU or an Auburn or a Florida in your backyard. You're the you're the Alabama, and there's nobody else around you. If you make you you can make USC great just by being 
above average. And uh, I think a lot of the alpha coaches would see that. So I think they would say yes to it. But USC has been reluctant to bring those kind of people in for whatever reason. They don't want to bring the outsider in that would be really good at their job. So uh, that's to me, that's been the big problem for USC. Is it possible to have an adult in the room who also has head coaching experience at a high level? Yes. I Those mean, two it, things can go together, right? Urban Meyer's the adult in the room. He, you know, like he hasn't had NCAA sanctions. Like he hasn't done that. So what, I mean, what he had a lot of players at Florida that were getting in trouble you know, off the field. Uh, he didn't have to do that as much. He, the recruiting uh, competition is not the same in the Big Ten. He could dominate the Big Ten. And he hasn't had that while he was at Ohio State. He wouldn't have to do that at USC. He just gets the five-star guys, and boom, you're fine. So, um, yeah, he can be the adult in the room, and but he'll also win games and and win championships. And that's if that's what you should want to strive for. If you if you don't, if you're happy winning eight games a year and and being clean, I mean that's fine too. You just like going to the games and tailgating and stuff. That's cool. But I think a lot of USC fans want more than that. Thank you, Rich, for the call. We appreciate it. Um, let's go to, um, Dave from Alaska. Yes. Hello. You're live on television. Hello. Let me, uh, first thank you guys for being objective in the face of what I probably would consider could be a very difficult position for you. So I, I do appreciate your objectivity and I understand this can complicate your relationship with play helping and the staff. So I, I very much appreciate it. I wanted to say a couple of things regarding uh, Coach Helton and then also ask a question. Regarding Coach Helton, I couldn't agree more that some of his comments are very much disingenuous and are difficult to take uh, about the great recruiting class and also now that we're going to a great bowl game. The other comments that I find very difficult to take are just his lack of accountability because I hear him referred to as a really great human being but he just doesn't strike me as accountable. So his comment today, like where we're finally getting the resources that we need to make this a fantastic program, it doesn't. It, it suggests to me that the problem with the program was that it was under-resourced. And he doesn't seem to take accountability that, gee, maybe I have something to do with the fact of how this program performs. Uh, my question to you is, I, I know they haven't laid out how this process was done, but can you tell me to the best of your knowledge what the process entailed that eventually led to this outcome. Were other coaches interviewed? Um, do you know which coaches those were? Or can you just please explain to me what the process uh, that you understand uh, occurred and what the forces eventually came together to lead to this outcome? And once again, thank you very much. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. All the way from Alaska. Great stuff. Pretty fun. I mean, we're trying to put all that together now. Um, you know, like we said earlier, we believe that their coaches were contacted. There was really no reason to wait this long if you knew you were going to bring back Clay Helton. You got some funny <laughs> text or something? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> something you want to share or no? Share with the glass shotgun? Uh, someone sent me a text that said that, uh, did, you know, Nick Saban's uh, wins against Auburn uh, versus, or losses against Auburn versus Clay Helton. So Clay Helton has zero losses against Auburn. Nick Saban has seven. And then also that Nick Saban has 17 losses in the NFL and Clay Helton has zero. So that's won. a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> so Clay beats them on those. Uh, yeah. But so, yeah, we're trying to piece that together too. Um, like we said, we've heard so many different things and all of them could not be true. Most of them uh, definitely were, a lot of them have been proven untrue today just by uh, Clay Helton being retained. So, that's Dave. That's uh, I mean, it's a great question. Uh, we're going to try to 
um, you know, get Mike Bone on a podcast or on here at some point when things settle down and, and try to get some answers from him as well. He gave a brief interview to a couple of members of the press today, but, um, and you know, what, what, what are we going to get? It's hard to say, but we'll, we'll keep digging on that. Check back in the war room and stuff. I'm sure we'll have some uh, interesting stories to come. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Dave. Man, we have more callers, Ryan. What's our game plan here? We're what are we ta- getting what are we- toward the two-hour mark. <laughs> oh crap! Uh, let's do a couple more calls, and then we'll like we'll cut it off. I okay. feel bad, but we'll you know. I know. Uh, let's go to Chris it's from therapy. Glendora. Hello, you are live on television. Hi. Hello, everybody. I hope you guys are having a good evening because I'm not. Sorry, Chris. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> uh, I quick. Matter of fact, I feel lied to because Bone in the interview said, he said that I'm going to listen. That's the first thing he says, I'm going to listen, and then he's going to take action or whatever. He listened. I don't even know if he listened or not, but it don't seem like he listened because if he would have listened, he would have made a change. Depends who he listened to. He didn't listen to the fans, I can tell you that. Or or maybe he listened, maybe he listened, but he didn't didn't, uh, agree with all of their, their points of view, I guess. He, he should he should read his uh, uh, Twitter comments and in, in the and the message boards and stuff. But my quick question is this: what, I just want to get your thoughts on what you guys would think, or what you know the fans would think, if uh, or even Mike Bone would think if USC was to get blown out in the bowl game. And I'm talking about like by maybe 20, 30 points. That's all I want to know. Thank you guys. I mean, yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Was it Chris? Yes, that, yeah, Chris. Chris thank Glendora. you. Glendora. We have a lot of Glendora callers. It's kind of uh, yeah. That's that's not going to be a good look. Um, I'm gonna. That's kind of like the USC way things usually go, right? So, you know, oh, the, you know, this unpopular decision, and then the next thing that happens sort of proves how why that was that unpopular. Uh, so, I would probably take the yes, USC is going to get blown, not knowing who they're going to play. I just feel like, yep, that'll probably happen because that's just the USC way. Not knowing how much changes will be made before then, yeah, right, or how many practice we 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 have seen Clay Helton, and because of all this stuff going on in the early signing period, we don't we haven't heard about any bowl practices or anything yet. Um, so we they did this for Wisconsin. I think they only had like seven bowl practices before that game. They didn't do full pad practices before the Cotton Bowl, and I know Dan Weber landed. And he said before USC got to Dallas, Ohio State already did two full pad practices, and uh, you know. Which team was more prepared for that one? It was pretty obvious. So, I mean, the, the precedent's been there. Um, the bowl record's not very good, right? What, win the Rose Bowl? He won the... Uh, Technically, he won the Vegas Bowl. As, as an interim. interim, yeah. Um, and then lost the Cotton and lost... Uh, Holiday. The Holiday Bowl. Yeah. So, uh, we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, that, that, would be, that would be very USC for that to happen. And then, you know, just start a whole other chain of outrage, which... I don't know how much more of that I can handle, but you know what? Wait, how did they do in last year's bowl game? Oh wait, spicy shotgun. Five and seven. Um, let's go to our next caller on the line. And thank you, Chris. Chris is waiting for like thirty minutes. Wow. Uh, hello, you're live on Tunnel Vision. Hey, hey, what's up? I just have a quick question. Like, how did this man Clay Hudson survive two presidents and three whole athletic directors? Like who? Who is this guy? Like how, how does how does that happen? It seems like people get so stuck up on his, I would say his character and his personality because he's such a great man, to the point where it clouds their their professional judgment. This is just my personal opinion. 
the point where it clouds their professional judgment because they want to see him do good. You know, because this it seemed like we have we haven't done anything since the Rose Bowl, which to me that was just really sound darn to me. Because since then we haven't been nowhere near that. You know, so it's it's just kind of weird to me how he just survived all of this and he's not very good. You know, so it's it's very puzzling puzzling to me. So can you just please answer that? It's 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 crazy to me. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, he's uh, if it was a movie, it'd be like hard to kill. Like he's just starting. <laughs> yeah, he's he's surviving when nobody else Isn't can. A Steven Seagal movie, uh, probably Steven Seagal. Yeah, it's like you know he's like a prepper getting ready. He's ready for the zombie apocalypse. It doesn't matter what waves of zombies come through. He lives. All these other people are dying around him, and he yeah he's very he's hard to kill. He's uh I've got a theory on it, and, okay. and I, I think it's partly because of you know his character as a person and that he you know. It, kind of interviews well when you talk to him you like him that you you see the positives in him initially and because you're a favorable person you see the positives whereas if you're with him a long time you see this stretch and like even looking at this team this year you go well if this is different this is different maybe next year is different but when you look at the overarching uh you know look at his time at usc you go they just don't develop in these certain areas, whether it be the penalties, the details and stuff. That's something you see over a long period of time, whereas all these people are moving in and out. It's been a lot of moving pieces, so maybe you see the positives initially and you don't see that it becomes, you know, that there's a, you know, it's a, it's a, I'm missing the words I'm looking for right now, but it's a common occurrence rather than just a mishap. You know, it's not just a turnover. It's turnovers consistently being an issue. It's not just that they have a, a bad season with injuries. It's there's consistently been injuries for the last four years. Yeah. You know, it's the, it's those type of things where things that can become excuses in a short term aren't being noticed that it's a long-term thing because there's been so much turnover at other positions. And that goes back to all the issues that the school has had, you know, from the top down. Uh, and that can partially be why some people stay in positions when maybe, you know, if there was someone, there was a director over them that had been there for a long period of time, they would say, hey, this is just not going the direction we want to go. Yeah. And real quick, I think Clay Helton's smart when it comes to that. I mean, I think he's been focused on how do I keep this job and what do I need to do to keep this job, which you'd rather just say, hey, how do I go out and win a whole bunch of games? It's more like, you don't think giving Mike Bone and Carol Fult game balls after UCLA, making them feel like this was a Super Bowl win against a pretty crappy UCLA team, um, I mean, I, I think that is smart, you know, and that, like, get them excited. Like, yeah, this is great. This is a huge win over the, the arch rival and stuff, which it is, but it was, like, a pretty bad UCLA team, and, you know, that make it more, you know, make your accomplishments look better than they are. If you're a catcher and the pitch is a little bit outside, you're, you're, square, you're trying to make it look better than it is. I think what he's going to do is, like, what I've done as the head coach it's a, it's a, I'm going to paint it in a better picture than what it actually is. Winning, the, winning five of the last six games. We're not going to mention the record of those teams in the five of the last six games and getting blown out by Oregon. But you kind of pick, you know, you frame it a certain way. And, you know, to Mike Bone and Carol Fold, apparently he framed, framed it good enough that they were willing to uh, let him stay on. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go to one last caller for Sounds the good, night. Sounds good, And then jump into some, some little questions that we have and then wrap it up because we are – Approaching the two-hour mark, like I said. Yeah. And our last caller is an international one. I believe it is Eric from Japan, which is pretty exciting. Hello, you're live on television. Hey, how are you guys doing? This is Eric from Japan calling from Tokyo. 
Wow. And uh, I know you guys, but I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right on to the question that I have because I know you've been up for a while. Is I've been hearing this rumor that Mike Bone is actually the one who's getting boned by all this because uh, the executive administration has kind of actually been the party who's made this decision. Uh, have you guys heard anything about that? And um, that's about it. Thanks, have a Eric. Great day. Eric, our first call from Tokyo, I believe. Exciting. I think it's our first international call. No, it, I don't think it is. Oh, yeah, no. I think we've had Cyprus or something. You I can think. get on, like, if you get a Skype account, like, I don't know, they still, I guess, you know, you can. Uh, anyway, you can on to the question. Shit. Okay. It's also 11 a.m. in Japan, if anyone's wondering. Oh. I Googled it. Nice. <laughs> yes, thank uh, you. Okay, so. Um, so, yes, there is a rumor that, that there's a big conspiracy against Mike Bone. I, for one, do not really believe that. I don't think you would sign your name on a dotted line to become an athletic director if you're going to be undermined at all, you know, at every step of the way, if you didn't think that you would have control. And that, you know, two weeks in, if you feel like that's going to happen, then maybe you do something drastically different. I think the statement would have been different that he put out. You know, I just think that there's a lot of things that would have played out differently if there was some big overarching conspiracy going on behind him that says, no, you can't go out and hire this person or no, you know, this is not what's going on. I think that maybe he went out and looked for some, uh, some options and couldn't line up exactly what he wanted, so he's sticking with Clay Helton. I think that's much more logical to me than yeah. than you know that's Carol Fold or someone else behind the scene that's saying no, you can't do this or you know we have to have this certain person or whatever. So I, I think that there's been a lot, of, like I said earlier in the show, you know, rumors from just all over Everywhere. the place, and that's definitely one we've heard that you know his hands are tied and he can't do anything. I, just the way things have played out, I don't believe that to be the case. Though. Yeah, thanks again, Eric. And real quick, Pers I, just I, my personal. I posted on the Peristyle today, so I talked to a source at Cincinnati, um, and they told me flat out that Mike Bone took the job with the understanding that he was going to be hiring a head football coach, and something changed between that. And I, I'm not buying all the conspiracy theory stuff, too. I think there's probably just more – you have to have a risk reward kind of thing, you know, the pros and cons of it. And there's gotta be some cons that we don't even know about at this point that, um, you know, besides just not being able to get the guys you wanted. Cause I think if you just said, Hey, we're moving on from Clay Helton and then figure it the rest out. And you, you know, Graham Harrell's the interim head coach and, and just kind of move on. But, you know, I, I don't think you needed to have a replacement today, but there's some reason why Clay Helton is still there. And I, I get it would be easier to, to hire a new head coach next year. But you could still get somebody good, and uh, you could certainly get an upgrade at the head coaching spot. But maybe, you know, you wanted the home run and you just can't get it this year. But I, I think that that's a huge risk uh, doing that because you could have a night, a mediocre season next year where you win the South and you get rid of them. Then, I, I yeah. yeah, I think this is. It seems to be like a miscalculation, unless there's something like we said going on behind the scenes. But I don't buy the conspiracy theory stuff either. Yeah, I don't think you would have had a week and a half before making this decision if. They were just going to tell you, no, you got to keep Clay Helton. Yeah. They would have, he would have just been like, all right, well, we're doing it a week and a half ago. I think there was a process that went through. Things didn't happen, you know, ideally, I guess, for Bone to get the guy that he wanted maybe or, you know, just it wasn't going to work out to hire someone else. They decided this was a better decision. The fans do not agree with that decision. They do not. Thank you, Eric, for the call. We appreciate it. All right, let's get into some final questions before we wrap it up. Uh, we have a question from Jack who says, do you guys see them backtracking on their decisions? Looks like we have a Tennessee level backlash right now, especially with donors. 
it won't be as harsh as Tennessee's because they just it's a different situation. Yeah, and they, and they just I mean that's their life where like USC fans are going to kind of turn it off. Like the Tennessee fans aren't going to like get away from Tennessee football, but they're going to be like burn all the stuff and all you know. It's it's interesting. I don't I didn't follow that one as closely. Maybe you can speak on it a little bit more. But it wasn't like all the Tennessee fans were like I'm done with the Tennessee football. I'm taking out my. I've been a fan for 20 years. Right. I'm done. It was more just outrage at what was going on and going and. Yeah, it, it's interesting. <laughs> I wanted to make a reference to when Lane Kiffin came to USC and all the couches that were being burned and stuff. At, Jerseys at and all that stuff. I was like, you didn't see any couches burning at, U, at USC no. or anything, but it was also raining today, so maybe right. that's why. It's going to be more – it's going to be less – I mean, there's going to be a lot of uh, Twitter outrage and on our message boards and all that kind of stuff. Maybe they fly another plane. I don't know, but really? it's going to be more about the money. Like, that, that's what USC is going to listen to is where big donors are calling in and, like, stopping. And – you know, if you're going to make some kind of change, that's going to be why because of, of that more than I don't think you're going to see people storming Heritage Hall and having a sit in or a protest or anything like I that. I think it's also a different situation when you're keeping someone who's already on contract versus signing a new contract with someone else, you know, during a coaching search. When you, right. Yeah, when you make a verbal agreement versus you already have this guy on contract. Yeah. 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 Uh, Chris on Facebook wanted to know what's the journalistic protocol when, when a report is wrong in that sense that we saw this week? You kind of uh, go, you go and check and make sure that what you're hearing is correct. You check around to see if that report is correct. You know, you go to try to verify the report basically and see if, okay, is this correct? And then when all your sources start telling you no and what you had heard previously was kind of the same, that's when you go, okay, this doesn't look like it's correct. Yeah. And that's when you, you know, that's what I think that's why you said, you saw all the you know, when the first report came out on Sunday morning. You saw all the national guys come out about an hour later. It was kind of consistent. About an hour later, they checked in with their sources. They you know looked around, you know overturned some rocks type of thing, and then said no, this is not what I'm hearing. And then they tweeted out their responses. You know, and some people kind of fl flip out when you know it takes an hour, but sometimes it takes time for people to get back to you and whatnot. Yeah. So that's kind of how it kind of plays out. You go try to verify and see. Is this correct? Yeah, and I think you you have to. It's you know the journalism world has changed. You have less editors. I mean, we're a, a website. You know, we're like editing ourselves, and uh, there's no, um, you know, if there was a huge story that we were breaking, we might have to go to CBS Sports to make sure, like you know, we're putting it up on their platform. But there's less of those layers of accountability there, and I think there's a there's you know certain people that are just pushing to get first no matter what. And when you're talking about somebody's job. You better, you know, you don't report somebody's dead if they're like on life support. And I think that's the equivalent of what's going on here is like, it looked like it was leaning that way, but you can't report that he's fired. Like you're like, oh, it looks like he's going to pass away. The guy, you know, lives for another two weeks. Like you, you can't report that he's dead. And so these are one of those things where you just have to, and I guess, I guess he issued an apology at this point, but you know, we're going to see, we see more of this now just because it's. There's less layers of accountability above that, uh, you know, above, you know, where people are writing and people are trying to get to be first and get clicks and all that. So sometimes you just cut some corners. Uh, Adrian, We shouldn't, but, you, you know, some yeah. people do. Adrian wanted to know, essentially, I'm paraphrasing his question or changing it a little bit. He wanted to know, does uh, Brad Osmus get re-looked at in this new uh, coaching era with the, the decisions they want to make? Or do you think he's safe in his um, job? Aaron Osmus? Or? He wrote Brad. My bad. But right. yeah, wasn't that wasn't that an angel? That is it, Angels coach. Which <laughs> yeah. I wasn't faced at all because I'm an Angels fan. But yes, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I think that Clay Helton's back. I think uh, Aaron Osmus stays. I don't think he's going to get rid of his one-year strength and conditioning yeah, coach. I, I yeah. think there were positive results, yeah. positive returns from the, the hiring of Aaron Osmus. If you want to look at the injuries, you look at the fact that it's been a concern for multiple years, so I don't think you put that on Aaron Osmus, that maybe things have continued uh, the way they were the last couple of years. So I don't think you blame him for the injuries. If that's that's really the only one thing you can look at, I think. I think their returns as far as gains and strength-wise, I think a lot of the players were very excited about where they were they were uh, making gains and strides and stuff and getting stronger. Yep. Alrighty, any final thoughts, guys, before we wrap it up? We're almost at the two-hour mark of an emergency television. Yeah, thanks for everyone. Too. I mean, we had over 1,000 people live on YouTube alone. Uh Two three hundred on Paris, and we had a lot of people alive for this one. This was for a four thirty in the afternoon uh, deal. If we would have done our seven p.m., I'd have probably been even more than that. Um, we we needed we had to do an emergency one because fans were so upset. We needed to you know provide the therapy session for everybody. Yep. Thanks um, for all the calls. Sorry we couldn't get to all the calls. So many, but I thank know. you all for for calling in and everything. It was cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. We're probably not going to do another one until. Sunday? I don't even know if we're going to do one. So we'll see. Interesting. I, okay. Full yeah. Game. Manhattan Beach Fireworks or Sunday. I kind of want to go to that. <laughs> you know? It's a fun thing. Okay. Good to know. All well, right. It's just like, do we really? Like, I mean. We'll see wait. if there's any new developments in the next few days as far as staff changes and stuff. Yep. And that will kind of determine whether or not we need to do one on yep. Sunday. Yeah. So we'll get back to you guys. Follow us on Twitter just to make yeah. sure. Uh, I could get Taylor to come in. You guys I was going to say, we can again. make a call to the bullpen if we really need to. Yeah, we, we haven't had Taylor on in a while. We could get him to come in. Get his thoughts on this too, you know. Um, we had some, you know, some former players that were supporting this. A lot of former players that weren't. But, um, I mean, Jake Olson is, was very he's much, you know, he was an advocate for, for Clay Helton getting on there. People were. He was fighting people in my mentions. And I was like, Jake. <laughs> he was, yeah, he was, he was very much defended. So there, there's definitely some supporters there. We'll see where uh, where Taylor Mays falls on this. Maybe we'll get him on Sunday. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but I think that's going to wrap it up. Thank you guys so much for your calls, your comments. Thank you. Uh, we appreciate you watching. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for our emergency tunnel vision. Like Ryan said, like Shotgun said, uh, make sure you stick tuned to uscfootball.com and to Twitter for updates on what's happening next. And when we do our next show, it's still TBD, but that's going to wrap it up. That's Shotgun. That's Ryan. I'm Keely. We'll see you all next time. Bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.